Hello and welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. It's me, your host, Howard H. Smith. Ready to talk bollocks, to nay, shove my bollocks in your... No, no I'm not going to shove any bollocks in anyone's ears. Um, hello, uh, welcome. This is the Talking Bollocks podcast with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. I do this podcast. I also do stand-up comedy, but guess what? Not doing any of that shit right now. No, no band, no comedy, no music. No, in fact, it is this very podcast is keeping me alive at the moment, or at least keeping my creative self alive, if you will, love. Us creatives, we need an outlet, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, hello. Um, not doing anything apart from these podcasts, and hopefully going to be delivering a few more for you. Um, welcome one, welcome all. If this is your first time, there's shed loads of podcasts, over 100 to go and have a, go and have a look at. So um, go back through the back catalogue. Also, I am going to be upping the ante. I'm going to be delivering more content, but especially if you are a patron. So if you have $5 a month spare, $6 including tax, it's still less than £5. Come on, sign up at, at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. You will get extra podcasts. You'll get an extra show. I'm, now, I'm going to start doing the radio bollocks show again but that will only be on patreon so you'll be able to get that there you get the you get the podcast early you also get the opportunity to ask guests uh, questions by knowing who they are um, up front and submitting your questions so anyway it's really cool everybody who's on there at the moment seems to enjoy it i'm going to be doing even more stuff behind the scenes acid rain stuff behind the scenes talking bollocks stuff yay 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 and this month um, there is a shed load of extras. There's another. There's an extra 45 minutes with uh, Michael from Therapy. There's an extra half an hour with um, with Russ Russell. So you know, it really is worth signing up. I would say that, wouldn't I? <laughs> so, um, what has been going on in the world of well, just in the world in general? Um, uh, basically, a lot of people have been um, self isolating, and uh, I'm pretty much one of them. Um, although when I was out, I did, <laughs> honestly, is it, oh, hello, is it just people out shopping in the, you know, these, oh, hello, have you got any 1% fat milk? It's the fucking apocalypse, love, fuck off. Um, it's, it's been, um, yeah, it's been interesting times. We all live in interesting times. Um, and in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to save the, uh, inverted commas, Corona chat for, for right at the end of the podcast. Um, because I, if if you're like me, you, you're kind of sick of the, sick of hearing about it, um, because you know you are. It's everywhere. So I'll do a whole bit on uh, coronavirus towards the uh, at the end instead of doing my usual. Oh, thanks, guys. You're all wonderful. I mean, I'll probably still do that anyway because you are. But you know, just so you know. So Corona thing later. Um, apart from to say that there are some upsides. Pearl Jam have cancelled their tour, so, you know, it's not all bad news. Um, uh, we announced Acid Rain. We announced uh, we announced a tour. Um, I was uh, accused of being... We, we were called irresponsible by one poster on Facebook who's... Um, who's I, I'm not going to say their name. I'd have to look it up and I can't be bothered. Um, and it was just one person bearing in mind that loads of other people were going, yay, great, you know, let's be positive. Bearing in mind, within a week, everything had changed drastically. But, yeah, irresponsible for announcing dates that may or may not happen. It's like, oh, you're encouraging people to get together. And it's like, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are encouraging people to get together and, and, and celebrate and all the rest of it. 
Um, between May and November, not this week. And if not, and and if we can't have the gigs in May, and if we can't have, if it's not safe, we'll we'll postpone the gigs until it is. I mean, what a prick! What an absolute prick! Just this 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 idea that just by by announcing a tour, you're encouraging people to to get together in mass congregations. No, not at all. Not until fucking months down the line, you absolute prick. Um, but hey, you know, you still get you still get people going out, wandering around. Oh, you know, I'm not going to let it bother me. Oh, I'm not going to. I mean, fuck me. I'm from Yorkshire. Some of the tales, you know. Oh, it's a load of bollocks. I'm going. Yeah, yeah, that's not the fucking case. That really isn't the case. We all need to be as careful as we can. I, you see, I said I wasn't going to talk about coronavirus. Ends up being about coronavirus anyway. So let's talk about something even more depressing. Rat, Tom Kiefer, Skid Row and Slaughter join forces for the big rock summer tour. Um, I mean, if it is a bunch of um, has-beens that you're after seeing, well, I mean, that is a, that is a, a, that's a line-up you've got to <laughs> die for, really. That is looking very good for you. Now, I've got to be honest... I'm just checking here. Um, right, I'm just trying to see where where it's for. It doesn't say what year because if it's, I, I'm obviously thinking this. I, I haven't heard that it's been cancelled since. Um, so yeah, it's looking like this is really weird. Big Rock Summer Tour. Let's play it. Fuck it. Here we go. There's the trailer for it. Because nobody else really wants to play with him. It's not really Skid Row because there's no Seb back. Slaughter, it really is Slaughter, but no one cares. Haven't we done this already? Yeah, mentioned that a few seconds ago. Sort of. Still them. Are you sure you got the uh, the lineup there? That was three times in the space of a minute where they go right through the lineup. And do you know what? I'm still. I'm even looking at the poster. It doesn't say what year is it. This right here we go. Because uh, straight away it just starts going on about the bands. Saying that they're that you know what they did in the back in in the day and all the rest of it, every night of the tour will feature more around the back. Yeah, every night of the tour, when tickets go on sale Friday, okay, we're looking to lay it down the big rock. To, oh God, the band is firing on all cylinders, more than ready to show. Right, okay, great, thanks a lot, Stephen. Um, so they've all got their standard. Yeah, we can't wait to go around and kick ass, kind of thing. It's been too long. Yada yada yada, all that bollocks. Um, uh, and and get ready for the big rocks amateur. They keep saying it, but we don't know what year it is. So do you know what? I am actually going to check because I started doing these notes at the end of the last podcast. So obviously some of these notes predate all of the shit that was, you know, uh, that was about to, ha- to happen. 
Um, I presume that those, that, yeah, they're not going to announce March and then gigs start three months later. So I'd imagine that is 2021. I, I will actually look that up at some point. But um, anyway, God, I've spent way too long on that. What a heap of shit. <laughs> anyway, fucking hell. Something that seems to have um, gone a little bit under the radar is, um, is, is original guitarist Vinny leaving Exorda. Um, I mean, you know, as we all know, us being us, me, you, us guys, the ones who um, did the interview with uh, Kyle and Vinny from Exorda not long ago at the, under- at the Underworld, uh, and everything seemed fine. I mean, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a nice old chat. Um, those guys seem to be very much on the same page, very much the... You know the the architects of the comeback and uh, uh, of the future as well, and for for Vinny to just be out like that, and I don't know, it's just something really, really odd about that. There's something really just not kind of right. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but um, I guess something will fall out in the future. Let's let's see. Um, f- something will fall out in the future. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Maybe they fell out. Maybe them falling out was bouncing around my head and that's why I came out with that shit but frankly that's just poor English and um you know I do apologize um it's simply not the kings is it um or the queens so anyway where were we fucking hell all over the place tangent fans um Bruce uh Bruce Dickinson um calling out singers for using teleprompters including um Rob Halford I, I, I just think it's, you know, as much as I like Bruce, bless him, that is just a bit, you know, it's getting out of your box. It's rubbing people's noses. Yeah, well, OK, so you don't have a memory problem, Bruce. That's great. You're, you're, you're getting older, but your mind and your brain and your recall is as sharp as ever. That's wonderful. But some people um, of your age don't, aren't blessed with that. So, you know, I, I, it's horses for courses. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not brilliant with lyrics I do I do have you know times where I forget where I sing the wrong bit or I just forget you know but I've always considered that fairly normal um and um and 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 it's always different songs or different parts of songs that I get a mental block um but and I'm only 49 I will you know if I am still doing this at the ripe old age of 16 70 whatever um I will definitely be using a um a, um, a, a, a prompt Without a without a doubt, um, and I just I just think I think you know Bruce is really lucky and 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 he's maybe just not really appreciating that other people out there may not, uh, it, you know it's not just as simple as well just keep reading the lyrics just keep learning them and it'll be all right and it's like that's not what that's not what the problem is anyway, um, yeah that was um, that was it was just a little bit sad I just I just felt it was a, a bit out of order anyway here we go. Um, <laughs> This is now the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. It's Man of War. Joey DeMeo, a year ago, the 65-year-old bassist said he was too young to retire and blamed some journalists for reinterpreting Man of War's 2016 farewell tour announcement in order to sell magazines. He told Bulgaria's Z-Rock Radio, before I go any further, can I just point out two things? Okay. One, no one misunderstood anything. And two, uh, reinterpreting their announcement, their farewell tour. Well, I don't think you need to 
reinterpret that. It's called the farewell tour to sell magazines in inverted commas. This is basically how Man of War operates. Good friend of mine um, was going to interview them last year and was asked to submit all questions prior to the interview. To which he said, go fuck yourselves. It's not the 90s anymore. You don't get to do that, whoever you are. They live in their own universe. They are completely and totally unaware of reality and what happens everywhere else. He probably genuinely does think that journalists are out there misinterpreting things to sell magazines. That's right, because magazine sales are so fucking strong right now. He told Bulgaria's Zedrock Radio, journalists make their money by what they write and photographers make their money by having a wow picture. But I'm very protected over our fans. And when people write shit that ends up affecting and causing problems for our fans, I get mad. So I'm not quite sure why I had to point out that journalists make their money by what they write and photographers make their money by having a wow picture. I'm not quite sure how that stacks up with the next part of that, which is, but I'm very protective over our I mean, it's just gibberish. In a 2017 interview with Outdoor Adventures with Jason, Man of War singer Eric Adams said it would... He would miss the big stage after the band completes its final tour. He said, this is it. We've got one last tour coming up, but all good things have to come to an end at some point. That was all of 2017 ago. For fuck's sake. It is nobody misinterpreting or reinterpreting anyone's fucking words. You sad fucking twats in Manowar. Announced you were doing your last ever tour. It's gone quite well. And now you've decided to make out like it. You never said that in the first place, you bunch. A fucking animal cloth wearing cloth animal skin wearing dicks. Fucking man of war. What what have you ever done apart from some pathetic fucking songs about horses and rivers and fucking battles? Yeah? Hail to England to fucking oh, get get England off that fucking album title. Man of war and Utter fucking embarrassment. They always have been. Man of War, born to live forevermore. No, born to fucking moan forevermore. You absolute pack of twats. I cannot believe that they are still getting fucking... I can't believe they're being booked for gigs. I know for a fact they played Manchester Apollo and it was half full and fucking hilarious. But there you go. Serves the promoter right who put them on. Who the fuck is going to go and see Man of War in this day and age? If you're out there and you are a Man of War fan, fair fucks to you, okay? You've hung in there. You've stuck with it. You've gone with that image. You're grown up. You're a grown man now and yet you still don't find that image utterly fucking hilarious. Fine. You've, that, if you still think that looks cool, absolutely fine. I mean, yes... There's something about Angus in his school uniform that is wrong, but it still looks cool. There's something about Man of War that has always looked fucking wrong. Wrong and dodgy. Honestly, I fucking cannot take that band. I re- You've probably got the idea, haven't you? I, I, I don't want to oversell that. Um, speaking of not overselling, right, let's get straight down to an interview, shall we? Um... I have been, um, I've been threatening to track this guy down for a while. Um, this is, um, well, uh, Michael um, came to me via Neil from Therapy, who put us in touch. 
Um, and uh, I mean, Michael and I have met before, but um, but we've only got a chance to chat briefly. Um, so it was a chance to really have a really, really good old conversation. Um, you know, Michael um, came down when I was interviewing Neil for the podcast about the Beyond or something like that. Um, I wanted to say hello because he um, he used to he'd come and see Nasid Rain I think a couple of times way back in the day in Belfast. But we'll we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. But for now, this is pre-Corona lockdown. Uh, here is my chat with Michael McKeegan from Therapy. Hello there. Hello, Howard. It's Michael. How are you doing? I am very well. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad at all. Is this, is this line good for you? Uh, man, this is absolutely crystal. All right. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, it can be a bit hit or miss in our place, but uh, that's good. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I'm going through. Oh, mate, it's, yeah. it's usually a night. It can be a bit of a nightmare. Skype and um, Facebook Messenger I've started using recently as well, but they're, they're, they're just both a bit, yeah, a bit unreliable. Brilliant. Okay, well, this is good. This is good. Yeah, cool, man. Well, look, it's, um, it, it's, it's nice to finally get um, uh, a chance to have a chat because we've kind of, you know, our paths have crossed a few times at some of your shows, but we've never really had a chance to sit down and have a chinwag. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's long overdue, as you say. Yeah, I mean, going back a long way, I mean, I kind of found out sort of through through Neil that um, that you attended one or more of our um, uh, Rosetta shows back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was... Uh... Two of them was about yeah I can't now details are a tad blurry. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're t- we're talking back in the midst of time, but I think there was there's definitely one in '88. I think I was definitely at and possibly the the one prior to that, which might have been '87. I think maybe '87, '86. Um, um, I think we'd have been over in I think '88 would have been the earliest we'd have been over. Oh right, okay, so maybe it was just that one show then. But yeah, definitely, I remember. I remember the gig well, kind of a low stage and, you know, yeah. much carnage. <laughs> oh, man. There's, there, on, our, on our YouTube channel, there is, there is video of one of, the, one of the, the Rosetta shows, and it's just like, it's not great quality, but even, even on that video, you can, you can see it's just like, oh, God, this is just insane, you know. Um, and they were, they were, I mean, they were, they were awesome shows. They were, um, and, and it, was, it was just, it was weird for us because, of course, you know, we'd. I think they were probably the first shows um, that we played off the mainland. So, um, and I think our, 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 our first ever show, um, as we as we came in down the main road, there was a. Um, I think there was a bonfire on the Falls Road with a, and it was it was twenty it was twenty years out to the day of like the troops out campaign. <laughs> and, Welcome to Belfast. <laughs> I know, I know. So we're, we're driving in, and it's just like, oh God, what have we, what have we done? <laughs> I know. Whose who's bright idea was this? Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly, exactly. Went to the, um, got got to the B and B, and told that like, no, we didn't have any reservations, despite the fact that we did. Um, and and so it like ended up in in basically any old B and B that would take us in. Um, <laughs> And so we finally got into it, and then we went down into the bar, and the bloke in the um, sort of you know sort of grumpy looking local sort of looking at us all sort of as we as we came downstairs stood in the bar, and he just goes, he heard us talking, and he just goes like a a, a, a use acid rain, and we were like, 
yeah. And he goes, right, let me buy you all a drink. And he's just like stood there buying us all drinks for the rest of the night. So it was it was a lovely um, it was a lovely introduction to Belfast in the end. Yeah, it's, it's crazy when you kind of um, you know you, you make your first foray outside of you know your, your your home turf or something like that. You know, I'm sure you probably remember well going out to Europe for the first time and kind of realizing it was like wow, people. You know, there's more than four tins of warm lager, and you know, yeah, kind of there's there is a stage and there's a PA and there's people here that are actually um, up for it. You know, it's kind of um, it always blows my mind when you go somewhere and you think, actually, you know, I'm from a small town in Northern Ireland, but we're here. There's a gig and there's people who want to hear our music. It's a it, it's a brilliant, brilliant, but quite bizarre kind of feeling. You know, <laughs> I, I yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, it, 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 I'm kind of like you, you sound like me in many ways. I, I still find all of that like it's still. I still have a kind of like a childlike fascination with it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just... mate, you have to, you have to. I think you know it's kind of. Um, there's, I think, there's so much cynicism around in the world, and and in a lot of cases, rightly so, because there's so much. Um, bullshit and you know nonsense being spread and talked about but there is always a part of me I just think back to you know you know when I was a kid and I just wanted to be in a band and just you know reading Kerrang and you know Metal Forces and flicking through them and seeing the band and going wow they're out there doing it and to actually have the privilege of being able to out there and go there is a there is a lot of pinch pinch yourself moments you go oh my god this is this is so cool you know and obviously you know there's there's a lot of stress and, you know, you know, the, the the travel aspect of it is quite hard and stuff like that. But, you know, it's when you get there and you see you see those welcoming faces in the crowd and, you know, the, <laughs> the adrenaline kicks in. It, it, it's such a uh, an amazing, you know, privileged experience. You know, it's, it, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think, um, you know, probably coming from that, you know, punk and metal background, you know, it's a... It, you know, for us, it, it was a very working class kind of thing. You know what I mean? There was no, no one gave you big, big wedges of cash to go and buy, you know, a top of the range Strat or anything like that. You had this yeah. pocket money and you'd save up and you'd buy, you know, the cheapest, you know, Ibanez that you, that might stay in tune, it might not. You know what I mean? You kind of learn everything on the hoof and you, it was very DIY. You know, there was, it's like you say, you kind of, you go over and, you know, there's, where we stay, and I don't know, maybe that B&B will try that. You know, there's a there's a big aspect of that to it now, and I think um, for bands like us, that stands you in really good stead, you know, for, I suppose, with regard to longevity and for actually um, doing it for, you know, the, the passion of it, you know. I think, well, yeah, and you've, I mean, God, you know, you guys have had um, some real pinch-me moments, um, and, you know, over the years, but you've also, it's... Um, I mean, I did. I I did something I hardly ever do, which is a bit of research this morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> why not? Why not? Buck the norm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, fuck it. I'm going to be prepared for this one. Um, and, um, um, uh, but uh, even from afar, you're a band that I know have had ups and downs. And I mean, I you know, we were we were kind of um, yeah when you when you guys were first. Kind of setting out, um, I, I guess we were kind of we were, we were sort of up there and then disappeared very quickly. 
Um, so I remember, um, yeah, about 89, you guys started sort of kicking around, didn't you? That was it, yeah, for, first gig 89. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, in, interestingly, we've kind of, you know, with, with this year 2020 being our 30th anniversary, there's been a, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, you remember that? You know, a bit of a, a, a look back over the years, you know, we've had yeah. sort of projects we're working on, kind of retrospective stuff, and we've had some, um, you know, reissues in the last five years or so. So you go... You go, um, you go and get the hard drive out of the attic, and you know, go through all the old, you know, scans and stuff to put together, yeah, um, artwork and stuff. And it's, it's interesting looking back because a lot of those things, it was very much um, a gut reaction thing. You just did stuff because it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. There was no, yeah. you know, we, we were very, um, you know, very into what we did musically and and wanted to have a real quality there and in the live shows but there was never you know w- you know our first kind of 10-year collection best of thing we called that so much for the 10-year plan yes and this this tour is so much for the 30-year plan because <laughs> it was it was never really planned you know you just did stuff because that's where you you got towards it was like this feels right to play this feels right to do and it it stood us in good stead it wasn't about um, you know, looking at you know, I suppose '89 in Belfast, and, and probably maybe just in the years kind of leading up to the band getting together. Every band, it was either Guns and Roses or U2. That was what every single band sounded like. There was nothing really there that spoke to us. You know, yeah. you know, there was nothing really attractive. You know, and you know, coming from that that punk and you know metal background, it was. We knew it was going to be noisy and stuff, but we kind of looked more. Um, we just took on board anything that we liked, you know, and, and in a way it was possibly to our detriment because a lot of people would be like, well, they sound a bit weird. You know, they're not a straight metal band, they're not a straight post punk band, you know, they're not a straight indie band. But bizarrely, we were able to fall into a lot of. Um, Positions where we would be able to play to those kind of crowds and attract an audience from people from those backgrounds. It was good, and I think a lot of that was uh, maybe back then, and especially in Northern Ireland, there wasn't such a big. You weren't bombarded with media all the time. You know, there was. If you were into, I don't know, if you were into like thrash metal or whatever at school, you, you probably gravitated towards the guys that you know were into punk, and you know they were. Giving you their Kennedy's records, and you would have given them a, you know, creator album, you know, type thing, and you know that's how we would have, you know, heard bands like Joy Division and you know Sisters of Mercy and The Cure and stuff like that, and then because it was such a small scene, all kind of that in the verdict comes the weirdos kind of banded together, <laughs> and that was good because it was kind of everything was kind of given um, fair consideration, and then also when bands came to play because they didn't really come to play a lot everyone would turn out, you know, people would go and see the punk bands and, you know, you, you would go and see the Stranglers, but then you'd also go and see Sacred Right, you know, so it was it was a good, you know, good melting pot of all those kind of things. Not not because we were trying to broaden what we were doing, it's because that was kind of what was there, that's what was available. And I think that was good um, in kind of giving us that, you know, kind of, musical 
openness and being a bit more receptive to a lot of different things and taking things on board, you know. But yeah, it's definitely been a ups and downs. <laughs> but then that's life, I suppose. You know, that's you know. Yeah, but I, 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 I think um, the one thing that you've managed to kind of that's that's helped you get through it is is that you you were kind of done with your lined up change your lineup changes as of sort of. 2002 really and it's just been and it's been the three of you for the last um 18 years bloody hell i know that's that is mad it's it's like um how would you put it it, it was like you, you know you learn as you go along you learn as you go along and, and obviously certain people click in different ways and it's almost like when we met neil it was like every everyone was on the same page you know you know, aspiration-wise, you know, influences, everything. There was always everyone else that kind of, there was always a couple of things that just didn't really click with me and Andy, you know, and I think um, the kind of band we are, you know, we're, we're pretty easy going, you know, there's a lot of respect for each other within the band, and I think that unity is important. You know, I think there's a, how to put it, there's a bit of a rock and roll myth that creative, you know, is tension, creative tension within the band is good creatively. And I think that only works for one or two albums, you know what I mean? And then it burns itself out, you know, relationships get toxic, you know, this whole kind of... Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, you need, you, 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 need to be bra- you need to be brawling with each other to make a good album. And I don't subscribe to that. You maybe make one good album, but I don't think you'll have any kind of longevity or people have to go and stuff like that. So, it's, it's not um, it's not sustainable because ultimately you 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 end up being fucking miserable and someone leaves. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of, it, it just grinds people down. And I think we were kind of, we've got to that point now. It's, you know, everyone, you know, it's, it, Everyone has good days and bad days, you know, but then it's, it's the case of I know if I'm having a bad day, I can talk about it to one of the guys or I can just take myself off and, you know, put my headphones on and then, you know, you know, your, your mood changes and your mood passes. And it's good. People are very respectful of that and that's important. You know, you don't need to be in each other's faces all the time. And we always joke about it because we, we kind of, we all live quite far apart. So the time together is quite special. You know, we don't take each other for granted, so it's a real event. Like meeting up with the lads, really looking forward to seeing them. You know, looking forward to hearing what they've you know been listening to, what they've been watching, yeah, what what they're going to be doing. And it's good; it's a real buzz. And we, you know, we 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 really do enjoy ourselves on tour, which is good because obviously we you know, we would do a lot of touring. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not it's sure good. if this is a question you can actually answer, but but fuck it, I'll ask it anyway. Um, do you think? Do you think that is um, that being a three piece kind of helps that? As in, it's I don't know because the, the theory being is, it goes one of two ways, doesn't it? You know, more members means um, less concentrated time together, which means in theory, uh, kind of less arguments, less less disagreements. Or do you think that just being being a three piece makes it it's so close that you're kind of always you know, you know how each other are feeling, et cetera, and, you know, any problems are pretty quick to be identified. Yeah, and I think there's always a majority vote. There's never a stalemate. So decisions get made very quickly. You know, there's never really standoffs. If we need to decide whether we're doing something, it's always 
two versus one and everyone respects that kind of thing, which is, you know, as you know yourself, how, how long, you know, you know, you get into these ridiculous things that can go on for years with, with bandmates and, you know, some will get cast up on a wet Tuesday in Leipzig five years after the event <laughs> and there'll be a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, okay. So we always have that kind of respect for everyone's opinion. It's a democracy within the band. And I think um, we, we we have a thing called the paper bag moment. You know, when we're doing it and there's someone's, we say, look, is anyone, is there? Is this a paper bag moment? I, is some, are you so embarrassed for this? You want to put a paper bag over here? Is this a paper <laughs> bag moment potentially? And if anyone says, yeah, you know what, this could be a paper bag moment for me in the future, then we, we just don't go with it because it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not worth dragging that kind of thing out. And, and I think also musically with the three of us, you know, everyone needs to be on it. You know, there's no real, there's nowhere really to hide. You know, we did have a, we were a four piece for a while. And um, I found it quite odd as a bass player because there was a, a sonic space, was <laughs> it Hogwarts A sonic space that I kind of had to move away from because there, w- there was another guitar, a rhythm guitar there a lot. You know, and obviously on the records, there's two guitar parts and things, but it's written as a three piece. Yeah. And um, everyone's role is very defined and you can't really, you can't really go, I'll phone it in tonight. You know what I mean? Because there's no, there's nowhere really to, you know, there's no nothing yeah. to cover. There's, there's no nowhere to hide. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide, and and, and I like that. You know, it's sometimes it's like, oh my god, there's a lot of pressure here, but I think um, that keeps you sharp and stuff. You know, I, I, I do remember vividly. Um, we did a festival quite a few years ago with Green Day, and we we would have known those guys way before you know the, the big American idiots because before pre pre Dookie actually. Uh, we'd met them in, in North America touring and stuff. And then we bumped into them quite a few years later where they were headlining this enormous German festival and, and we were on the bill and I was talking to the drum and I was going, yeah, it's great to see you, you know, you know, three, you know, punk rock three, you know, us two, three punk rock three pieces. And he goes, yeah, it's just, there's kind of seven guys on stage with us now. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I think he just, he, I think he was a bit kind of embarrassed, but but like that's just, what it takes now to to do all the extra bells and whistles and stuff, and I, and I totally get that as well, you know. But it was it was kind of funny because in my head I just saw them as the three piece band, and that's obviously how they come across, you know, and stuff. But right enough during the gig, you know, two extra guitarists, keyboards player, back and vocalist, blah blah blah, you know. So and it just found it massive, you know. But it was um, it was quite funny as well. So, <laughs> but it's it, uh, the thing is, I, I think. Um... You know, three pieces. There is, there is definitely something about it, without a doubt. Um, but you've always kept your, uh, you know, from those early days. You've been through a really weird kind of. There, there was that whole, um, uh, oh, Nirvana are huge, and you lot are three pieces, well, and play slightly loud music. So you're going to get thrown in with with that scene. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, you've been part of the, you've been part of the metal scene, and and you know, I mean, having seen you on your last tour um, at the Islington Academy. Um, there's it, it's it's really weird. It's like it's almost like your audience is half metal, half New Model Army fans. <laughs> I, 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 I you know I, I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? It's 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 well, it's its that, own that's, thing. That's yeah yeah that's great. Well, I that's what I love about it. You know because I think 
you know, every kind of, um, you know, sometimes I, I must admit, I do look out at the crowd and it's such a diverse mix of, of people. And, you know, the, the front row, especially when you see the kind of the, the logos, it, it really does range from the, you know, the, the unpronounceables, you know, or the unreadable kind of death metal type logos right up to some guy in a nice Hugo Boss polo shirt. It's a crazy yeah, yeah. old old mix of people, you know, and I think um it I think we're we're lucky to have that. You know, I, I, I quite like that and I think we um it wasn't really a you know, how, how do you cultivate that? You know, I don't I don't really know how we could have got to that point um artificially. It's just something we yeah. kinda do and it's um you know, people come into it and it's quite um, it is strange when you know we're kind of the the metal thing. That's that's kind of my background. And Andy probably would come. I'm sure he won't mind me saying it. Punk was his first big love, you know. So we kind of come from different angles like that. And then Neil's, um, you know, in, in the kind of everything really, you know. So that kind of just it ties it all together. So it's quite it's quite a good, uh, um, you know. It, and you know you you know who I'm going to be talking about, but you know there are a lot of bands here. It's a formula, and when you get it right, it's such an amazing formula. You know, ACDC, Motorhead, The Ramones, Bad Religion. You know, you're, you're less than ten seconds in, and you know exactly who it is. You know, and a lot of bands have tried to replicate that, but they don't have that kind of they don't have the the uniqueness of the bands, and sometimes. We joke about it, say, wouldn't it be great to be, you know, imagine you were a formula band like, like Motorhead, because it would be so, it would just be a list of do's and don'ts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And, yeah, yeah. and lyric, lyrically as well, it would be so easy. It's like, you know, you know, we're going around cheating with this. You know, it would, it would be I so know, kind of... I know exactly easy. what you mean, yeah. yeah. You know, and then you think, and then it's kind of easier because then there's whole kind of, I suppose... Outlets for these kind of form, you know, formula type things as well. There's a whole kind of set of festivals catered yeah. towards that vibe. Yeah. There's even, you know, clothing brands catered to it. It's almost a bit like, you know, sometimes you go to, and, and I say, I'm not just talking about, and you know, I see it on my doorstep. It's almost a little bit like dress up for a lot of people. It's like it's Saturday night. I'm going to get, you know, the the gear on, the outfit on. And yeah. I'm going to rock out like it's 1983 or, or 1979 or whatever, and it's it's kind of an amazing thing, you know. It's a wee bit like, um, I suppose there's an escapism thing, but it's, it's almost like you buy into the whole lifestyle. It's you're going to drink, you know, you're from Larne in County Antrim, but you're going to drink some bourbon and listen to a band, you know, singing about cruising around America, being awesome, yeah. you know, and good on you, you know. There's there's that escapism thing, but for us. To, to, to have it such, you know, a formula so on a plate, so to speak, and also lyrically, it wouldn't really sit very well, you know, and I think there's kind of certain lyrical tropes that you can kind of, you know, just rearrange from here to eternity, you know, and it's it, it kind of says nothing, but it kind of says everything in a way. It, it's such a weird kind of thing, but we never had that. I suppose we're possibly, you know, we're too restless, you know, and even when we... um. I suppose with with that massive commercial success we had with Trouble Gum, sort of you know mid nineties, we p- probably should have 
if we had been a bit more conniving and possibly a bit more manipulative, we could have distilled that into a formula and possibly made another album, yeah. you know, a, a continuation of that. But do you, rem- do you album... remember at the time? Do you remember at the time there being any kind of any kind of influence behind the scenes for that to happen? Well, the the weird thing was, Trouble Gum. It happened very naturally because it was just the next step. Yeah. For us, you to, know. To me, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the next set of songs. Yeah, with a with a much better focus and production. It wasn't, yeah. you know, there was yeah. no agenda behind it. Oh no, I'm good. I'm glad it. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad it comes across like that. Which was interesting because by that stage, that was our second major label album. Yeah. But li- literally, as soon as that began to sell you know any meeting you know we had then with you know we, we knew our A&R man and the art guys and the press guy that's it. then all of a sudden there's a lot of peripheral people up here you know people higher up with bigger offices want to sit in on your meetings and that's when I kind of realised like, okay right there's a lot of you know pe- pe- people are beginning to say, we're not a curio anymore we're, we're, we're making money for the label and they want to obviously exploit this and that's when you get into that weird kind of there's more time spent talking about your haircut or lack of haircut in my case you know (laughs) than than the actual songs you know what I mean and that was kind of um, it was quite easy for us not to get involved or or to kind of deflect that quite easy because we never the band was never sold on a gimmick or an image anyway it was always just we kind of look a bit weird we're into our thing and we play these songs and that's kind of it. It changes each record, but there's common threads lyrically and musically. So, you know, feel free to dip in and dip out. That was always the thing. But yeah, after Infernal Love, I think, because the success of that definitely, well, they all said it, it definitely took them by surprise. So by the time they got involved, we'd almost kind of written the second record, or sorry, the, the, the record after that, which was quite a departure as well. You know, so they kind of, um, I think that did frustrate them. You know, I think the logical thing, like I said, would have been to do let's do Trouble Gun Part Two. You know, everyone's a winner type thing. You know, tour that for eighteen months and then um, see what happens after that. But it wasn't. You know, by the time we'd done Trouble Gun, we were kind of on to the next set of stuff. I do I do remember we Trouble Gun came out in March, and we in September. Yeah, so I hadn't even really been out like six months, and it was just beginning to really kick off in Europe and we were in a rehearsal room writing the songs and then in January we actually had the, the, the follow-up album recorded less than a year before Trouble Gun would come out because that was just what you did then yeah. you know, it was that kind of got some songs or record them in between times you worked and stuff so um, yeah, it was good, good in that respect and it, it, it meant that um, we did have that independence from the label. Of course, there was interference, you know, and lots of opinions and lots of ridiculous opinions. But um, sometimes you were just a bit too tired and ground down. You go, yeah, whatever, you know, and go with it. As long as, you know, um, the songs were the way we wanted them, you know, so. Um, this might sound like a, a, a stupid question, but um, were you actually were you actually pleased with um, the reaction to... To trouble come because I because from that point I, where I'm going with this is only your second album and and you know your your you know your very sort of punk DIY beginnings and then you know you want success but you kind of want success on your terms as in 
you know, a level that you're comfortable with. At any stage on that trouble gum run, does it suddenly start to get uncomfortable? Do you, do you at any point you think, right, actually, don't feel like we belong here, or we're like we're cheating being here, or was it just, look, I love this. It's not going to last forever. Let's just do whatever we can. Um, I mean, there was there was probably a couple of you know ill-advised photo shoots. You know, where someone would be like, "Well, you guys always, you know, you're always wearing black and looking kind of grumpy in your photos. Let's let's mix it up." You know, I, I can't. This was actually post trouble gun, but I remember for for some reason, um, a magazine suggested that we would get done up in clowns makeup and wear like army fatigues almost like clowns straight out of Vietnam I've no idea what the concept was and so, we were like oh that sounds that sounds a bit freaky and a bit surreal let's do that but a bunch of and, guys uh, from Belfast in combat brilliant <laughs> yeah with with like full you know Pennywise it kind of face makeup and it's like sounds like an early slipknot well yeah maybe, maybe we were kind of well 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 ahead of the curve of that one, but <laughs> it was and I, th- I think it was one of those ones we didn't, we didn't really, the makeup wasn't even done right. So it's one of those kind of things where, you, you know, you, that's the kind of thing you do once and go, you know what, let's never ever do that again. Yes. Um, but th- th- not really. There was there was a lot of, um, I remember we did a, like a radio show gig in, in San Francisco and Duran Duran were headlining and they sent us like, a, which is looking back really, really nice. And they sent us a load of champagne uh, to her dressing room, but they didn't come and say hello. They sh- they sent like a minion with champagne <laughs> to say how Hi, how Duran Duran how Duran Duran that is lovely. Isn't yeah. that that's how you do it? You know that's how you you, you, you greet um, you know fellow fellow British travellers abroad. But we were just kind of laughing, going, "This is just fucking insane." You know, when I was at the school disco with Duran Duran playing, when I was going, I wish they'd play Angel Witch. You know, little did I know. <laughs> You know, probably, you know, less than 10 years later, that would be going on. You know, it was kind of... Yeah. Those kind of things, you know. But it was never really a case of not feeling like we belonged. Because I knew we were there on our own merit because we'd done our thing. I never felt like we'd hopped on a bandwagon or anything like that. But there, there was possibly an element of, like we say, let's enjoy the ride because this probably isn't going to last forever. Because, like I said, there was never really five-year, 10-year, 15-year plan. You know, we were never thinking about, you know, well, you know, how, how are we going to, you know, expand our portfolio year 10 type thing. That was yeah. never never really the agenda. It was just like, what's the next project? Let's make this next thing as good as it should be. Let's make this gig better than the last one. So forward but the, motion. But the cool thing I've noticed as well about you guys is that, and I'm I'm sure you're aware of this as well, um, and I'm, I've been, I was speaking to somebody else in a band who had the similar vibe, and I'm trying to think who it was. But anyway, um, you're in that position whereby you can you can pretty much play with anyone. Do you know what I mean? You can you can you can switch between indie, between rock, between metal, between punk. There's literally the list of festivals that you can appear on, and people will go, "Oh yeah, therapy," is like just goes across all sorts of genres um and I, I, that, that is so rare that is so rare for to be able to do that i mean do you you know do you get to you obviously get to do things that i think you know 
other bands of of your ilk of your era just don't get anywhere near because musically um you've been quite eclectic over the years and um you know you have a very established fan base um are you aware of that you know are you aware of being able to sort of dip in, in and out of scenes and stuff yeah yeah i think you know you, you can kind of look at i mean i'm just looking at like last year we did boomtown festival yeah which was a lot it's mostly dj and electronic artists yeah, you know it's, and it's, it was it's weird it was a kind of like us killing joke napalm death and out the gates were kind of the 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 bands that i kind of knew and there was just a lot well obviously a lot of the dj names i was aware of i didn't really know the music but it was just kind of you know and it's nice to do that you know we also you know i suppose back in the day a lot of the festivals we would done you know we could you know you'd be playing with like we can do hellfest but then we would have done a festival with rem or billy idol Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, Kinda. absolutely, yeah. And then Slayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you sometimes, you know, you do look out sometimes and you, I just think, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> so you almost feel like a point of really sorry, but this is going to be a real fucking racket. And those kids, you might need to take your children out of here right now. <laughs> but, you know, that is that is what it is. And we, we don't, um, occasionally we'll do, we'll change a set up just depending on, the nature of it, you know, we're not going to bust out seven cello ballads yeah. at Hellfest, for example. You know, it's going to be that kind of set list kind of writes itself. But, you know, we don't, you know, if it's more, I would say, more of a middle-of-the-road bill type thing, we don't tone it down because I think that's what people want. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't start doing that. In fact, we would nearly ramp it up. <laughs> Let's play all the really fast ones. Um so it's it, it it is good, yeah, and it, it's nice to be able to um, um, do that. What one of the, the, the most interesting ones we had in recent memory was we did a tour with the Stranglers um, a couple of years ago, and they've quite a a very partisan crowd. You know, the, you see a lot of a lot of people do the whole tour. You know, we we did a, a UK run with them. I think it was about twenty twenty shows over like twenty eight days, all around the UK. So we were really kind of hitting everywhere in the UK, which is brilliant. And that was really interesting because we were just like, well, what's what's the sketch here? Because we haven't really done a lot of supports, especially kind of, you know, maybe one-offs here or there, but not like a whole tour, you know. So we wanted to make it so that we kind of, everyone kind of had a good time, the audience as well, you know. So we um, just did our thing and it was great because kind of, you know, it was kind of word spread, maybe the third or fourth gig, you could kind of see more, you know, you'd see people being won over, you know, you know, kind of someone who'd been at the Glasgow show that maybe didn't look that impressed, you know, or to the usual, get on with it, you know, stranglers, stranglers, you know, but two, three shows in, or even, you know, most nights, a few songs in, everyone was right on board, and that was that was quite good as well. You know, I don't think, sonically, you know, us and the stranglers, you know, we're kind of up-tempo rock bands with tunes, you know, I think, don't think we're sonically a million miles away, but kind of, and that perception and, and they did have a, you know there's kind of an older punk crowd there as well which probably was a bit like go on impress me what are this lot going to be like so that was good those challenges were good you know I, I don't um, you know I, I don't know there's 
possibly a certain ceiling to playing the same gigs to the same people all over the, the, the time. You have to get in front of different people, I think, and it's oh, yeah. um, thinking your feet a wee bit as well. So it's 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 definitely good in that respect. So I like doing it. I definitely, uh, I think all of us came away from that. Um, it was a really positive experience. We'd definitely be a lot more open to doing stuff like that in the future, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and... and... It's it, it's a it's a great place to be, and um, the thing is, you're you're you know you're always playing. Well, not always, but you know, whenever you do tour the UK, it is absolutely thorough, um, and it always seems to be busy. I mean, when I saw you, it was a Thursday night. Um, it was as close to sold out as I think I've seen it in quite a few years, um, and of course, it's always Neil's birthday. Um, needless to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the only reason we care to help him celebrate all his birthdays. That's it. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the birth- I, I like an idiot. I did actually. Uh, I did actually message him uh, at the gig as well. I was like, "Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was your birthday." He was like, it, "It's not my birthday." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of those things you do once as a joke, and then it kind of gets out of hand. And yes. now it's kind of you know. Yeah. He, he might, I think. I think it's a con- contractual obligation now. I think we'll. By leg- legally, we have to say that every night. I think he's written it into his contract. But yeah, no, it's, it's good. You know, things like that. You know, you know yourself. Um, a little bit of stage craft and humour goes a long way to, oh, to getting man. people on board. And you know, you know how the joke can extend and get pulled out, and then it'll come back. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and your fans, you know your fans buying into it as well, and turning up with cakes and shit like that. I think is brilliant. Exactly. Yep. Oh, we've had cards. And then, of course, the last night of the Stranglers tour, we uh, went and did the gig. Um, was it, yeah, I think it was the Manchester Apollo. Back up to the dressing room and fair play to the Stranglers. It must have taken them ages. They had bought and written about 100 birthday cards and set them all up through our dressing room. You couldn't even walk in. There were just cards everywhere at all. <laughs> to Neil, happy birthday, you can't. <laughs> you know, basically was the message. But they'd obviously sat and signed them. It obviously taken them like a couple of hours to sign them all up. Like, oh, that's, that's very good. That, so we did have a... Yeah, that is, that's, that is absolute class. That really is. Yeah, it was touche, lads. Nice one. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, you guys... Um, um, when's the last time... By the way, I, I, when's the last time you were out in the States? What's... Do you know, do you know what? That is... I can't even remember H. Um, right, fifteen years plus, probably. Really, really, yeah, right. It's, so it's, it's just it's not one not, of our bugbears. No, and we haven't. You know, we get a, increasingly. You know, the, the the cry goes up. You know, every time we announce tour dates, and you know, we we did tour there a lot, like nineties, yeah, especially. You know, we did a lot of touring there, and and I know we've got a lot of friends, and we've got quite good pockets of support. Anytime we go, the gigs are great. You know, it's we play like 200 capacity, 300 capacity, New York, Boston, you know, kind of the, the, the bigger towns. And they're always packed, you know, and good, you know. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. It's just never really hasn't clicked. We just haven't really been invited. I think that's that's, that's yeah. the bottom line. You know, with, with, with any of these things, you know, it's the usual, why are you not playing my local yeah. town country festival <laughs> yeah. and it's like yeah well it's it's kind of on an invite basis you know we don't just rock up 
and say, right, we're playing. You know, you, you can, yes. as you know, you have to go through this kind of thing. And it, um, yeah, it does. It does annoy me because, um, well, not annoy me. Annoy me is too strong. I think, yeah, it vexes me a little bit just because, you know, you know, a lot of the music. I love American culture. I love the music. You know, I like the vibe. That you know, the shows are good out there. And um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's so much going on with their own. You know, and I understand promoters kind of. You know, there's so much, and um, you know, local and talent there anyway. You know, maybe they just think, well, why would I book these guys? It's too much of a pump, you know. So I always say that is one thing. You know, we we would really like to do um, sooner rather than later. It's, it's it's always there, kind of. You know, if we did get a decent offer to go to the states, we would definitely try and make it work, whatever way we had to do it. You know, and it wouldn't. You know, we've we've done we've done tours before. You know, we'll. You know, we we'll go out with no crew and stuff just to to, to yeah. make it happen. You know, financially, so it's it's not a no one's no one's not going because we're we're not going to get richer and like that. It, it's kind of I'd love to do it as a, just a an experience and and just for 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 the great support we've had from over there. You know. But we. But the thing is, the, 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 we're in times now whereby you know you need somebody who's going to commit to you know something like five grand off the bat just to get you to the country. Yeah, yeah, we've you know we've obviously all had friends and bands that have kind of got horror stories and you know got stitched up and you know the visa thing. It's kind of you know it, it is a bit of a punt, you know. And I think we're you know we're you know I think we're no one's got <laughs> no one's got any warrants out on them or anything like that. You know we're pretty <laughs> you know we're, we're we're clean travelers and all the rest of it. It, it yeah. would kind of be a no brainer, you know, but. And that's uh, just where we're at now. But yeah, I know what you mean. It is a bit of a, it is an outlay and maybe um, it's just easier to, to, to go for other people. And, and I, t- I totally appreciate that as well, you know. But also we live in a time now where, you know, as a band, you have to be ex- incredibly discerning because ultimately you can't afford to be, you can't afford to end up in a territory or on a tour where you look at the figures and thinking, shit, why did we do this? No, yeah. God, no, no, no. It has to. It has to make sense like that as well. You know, and we've got a few different, um, you know, and, and with that now, obviously, with technology and you know, budget airlines and you know, the, the way communications a bit more open now, you can kind of, you know, we can tour in a few different formats. You know, I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine last night. He works for another band. You know, kind of a bigger much bigger than us pop poppy type pop rock band and he said it's a nightmare because they, they fly all their gear everywhere and the guys like they use campers most of us on the backing track and he's just saying look we can just take a usb yeah exactly we can hire the campers there no no i've got this and da 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 he said, he said, and i was saying look you know sometimes you just have to you know from my point of view stick a samsung pedal in your guitar case and fly in and you know yes yeah that's you it you make it work everyone's got a boss tuner you know you'll get a guitar stand there'll be an 8 by 10 you know somewhere there'll be a Marshall 900 half stack you know we're, we're, we can normally make it work you know it's kind of stuff like that and I think we've become um, a lot more open to that kind of thing you know we've we've, we've got the four go mad format where it's us the three of us and a tour manager stroke sound guy and then we've kind of the regular tour and crew. And you can, you can get your merch printed there. You don't need to fly with your merch. You can get a local merch person to come in and sell. All these different things. There's a lot of different options. You can kind of 
tweak it to make it work. And we, we've got quite good at doing it like that, you know, different kind of things. But I know what you mean. It's, I think it's like I, I always laugh. People go, all right. So I remember once a bus driver talking about, um, you know, we, we don't use buses anymore because they're, they're just too expensive. But yeah. he was talking about the tour support. And I was going, are you joking? Yeah. This We don't get tour support. This is, you know, me and Andy and Neil are paying for everything. We're yeah. paying for, you know, your ridiculous per diem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As well as your boss who stopped fucking moaning. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of an, you know, people, and this is a guy who works in the industry. He, he thought our record company was paying for it. And I was like, no, that's like, well, this is not 1986. Well, well, not only, well, not only that, but as we as we both know, there's no such thing as the record company paying for it. What the, what the record company paying for it means is the record company are paying for it now, but believe you and me, it's us who will be paying for it because it'll be recoupable. Yes, exactly. It all goes in that very random, non-transparent bill that kind of, <laughs> you know, good luck good luck trying to pin that one down. Uh, you know, we... we um, you know, and obviously, you know, back in the day, we would have had tour support and stuff like that. And we were lucky that, um, you know, all those records are recouped now, which is nice as well. You know, we've all... <clears throat> so, you know, when those records sell now, the songs get played and stuff, we do actually get paid for, which is amazing. But so many musicians I know, they're just never... They're just... These, these massive debts just were written off, you know, because labels had spent all their money on ridiculous things and they're going... We didn't even want to do the tour. We didn't want to do that. I don't know yeah. whether it was the end of the tax year, but the label insisted on buying us on a tour for a hundred thousand pounds. You know, so um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I'm really glad has got you know out of the industry. It's just this this, this insanity of um, amounts of money flying around and just kind of the shadiness, you know. And as you say, people spend the money on your behalf, you know, and then you know you're foot in the bottom line you know so obviously you, you grow up and you know you, there's a point where you're you know you're 22 and you're just going yeah this is brilliant yeah great 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 and then you're home in three months later and you're going all right okay i really would like to pay my rent now but how did all those you know how did all those shows sell out and i'll still be skint so you kind of have to look after that as well and we've been really lucky that we um our manager, we've had the same manager since day one, which is is very rare from what I can tell from other friends' experiences and stuff. Yeah. So we've always kind of had a transparency to to cost and an awareness, and, and maybe it's maybe it's a working class thing. You know, you kind of you you don't live outside your means. You know, like I said earlier, we didn't. The band when we formed was about a certain thing. It wasn't about aspiring by a you know a big mansion and have a red Ferrari, you know, that wasn't what we were excited about. You know, that wasn't the, the ambition. The ambition was just to to write stuff that we liked and played stuff that we liked and, and, and just go along with that. So it was kind of, it's been good that everyone's quite, um, you know, we, we, you know, yeah, and you need to take ownership of it. You know, I know we did, everyone makes bad decisions and sign shady deals at the start, but you do kind of have to go, well, you know, I did want to, I did want my music to get out there, so maybe I wasn't that bothered about the lawyer, you know, you know, pushing for that, or we just signed it because we we just were so keen and naive, you know. And it's it's the story as old as time itself in showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> we've all done them, you know. So uh, like you live and learn, you know. But the um, it's funny the um, you were talking about like you know getting paid off records and old records. Was there um, putting the um, uh, because I, I love the I suppose we should do a, a sort of uh, relatively professional um, mention of the album that you're currently on, which is um, the Greatest Hits album, um, which you've done very differently. You've taken you've taken songs from throughout the years. You've gone into um, uh, into Abbey Road and re-recorded them now did a great project by the way absolutely fucking love it that's the way oh, cool. to do, that's the way to do a greatest hits album without a fucking doubt um i just just yeah just a really really great idea was any part of it the the fact that look do you know what we actually need to re-record these songs um because if we just put a compilation together it's effectively just making a load of money for labels we've been on over the years and it's going to do nothing for us uh, or did you just, or was it more? It was the motivation. No, do you know what these songs have changed over the years? Let's get, let's put out how they are now, as opposed to how they were when people, you know, first heard them. Um, well, we, we we do have a, you know, we have a good relationship with Universal, who who own the kind of the rights to the, the big, you know, the million selling albums, and right. um, you know, they, they've done the reissues, which we obviously helped them with, and they did a. Um, a kind of a budget, you know, best of about five years ago, which was which was cool. But you know, it was kind of like a one sheet, very minimal information. You know, it was more of a, it was quite cheap and cheerful. But that was cool. That was kind of, um, it was obviously the sort of, you know, we always joke and say it's the kind of thing you buy for a fiver at a petrol station. You know, that kind of <laughs> approach. So we uh, we done that. That was obviously the old recordings, and then we did want to do something to mark this year a release and then we talked about a live album but then 10 years ago we did like a like a double live album there's 36 songs on it so it kind of had everything on it anyway there wasn't really much you know it would have been a, a lot of repetition in the on the song choice so we kind of nixed that and then Chris Sheldon who'd um, produced Trouble Gum and um semi-detached and he'd done Cleve most recently with us uh, he was saying well we could go back and look at re-recording them and we were saying well that would be a good idea because there's no point in just doing another best of this, this a version of this one that came out five years ago and um, and he said well rather than do a whole you know trying to replicate it exactly why don't we just book Abbey Road we'll kind of record it like a like a peel session, you know, like the old Made of Ale session, the peel session, um, Friday Rock Show type session thing. But we'll go in and really nail it. And then, you know, if we want to do some overdubs or patch stuff up, we can do that as well. So it, we only really spent the day doing it. And I think that coupled with the fact that Neil has never done recordings of these songs, although he's been playing them for God knows how long now, 18 years. Of course, yeah. It was, it was nice to do that. So there's a lot of different reasons. And, um, you know, Teeth Grinder, uh, which was on the Nurse album, the, the production in that wasn't maybe as beefy as it could have been. So it was nice to revisit that because it's, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a lot heavier live and we thought we wanted to kind of capture a bit of that. We, we, we you know, obviously tweaked a few bits and pieces, but they are reasonably respectful. You know, we didn't want to completely rework them either. You know, that's, maybe a project or a job for another day and we, you know we've done acoustic versions of these songs before and stuff so it was 
it was good. It was really good to do. Just to kind of, you know, a sonic update for where we're at now and how we play them now. And um, we were talking about just the general mood for the 30th anniversary. It's meant to be fun. It's a celebration. So we wanted to make it fun for us, but also fun for the listener. You know, there was we didn't you know we didn't feel that we over had overcomplicated or you know let's do something very very obscure. You know, let's do something that that people will can you know really get their their teeth into. And it was nice we were able to do um, die laughing. We got James from the Manic Street Preachers. He did a vocal and did some guitar. So it's kind of a different vibe there and stuff. So it's there's a few different things on it which is good, but it's kind of. Um, we're not messing with anyone's memories of these songs because we do we do appreciate it, you know, that that, that people um, really relate to the songs and the lyrics and stuff. So we weren't going to start changing any of that. But it was really really good experience. I'd never been to Abbey Road. Like we've had stuff mastered there before, but I wasn't there in the mastering session. So I was just really intrigued to go down there, and it was a brilliant day. You know, it was so good. We were, you know, in and out pretty quick. But then, um, yeah, it's a really good vibe. A lot less corporate than I thought it would be, especially with the studio that's so world famous, you know, and it's such a, there was a lot going on that day we were in there. And, um, you know, people coming and going and all the rest of it. But it was, yeah, really good. I really enjoyed it. And it was kind of, you know, it's a nice, you know, 30 years in the business. And you say, yeah, I've recorded at Abbey Road. Yeah, let me tell you about my time at Abbey Road. You know, it's, it's one of those kind of, you know, I always say those kind of things when, when you meet people that don't maybe know anything about your band or anything like that, you go, yeah, yeah, from the top of the pops. Yeah, recorded Abbey Road. You know, those are the kind of things. And my parents were ecstatic when I was telling them that's what we were up to. You know, that's a real um, benchmark for them of, you know, a Success. relatable benchmark, you know. So that was, it, it, it ticked a lot of boxes. And as I said, it was good fun to do. And it, it came out really good. I'm really, really delighted with, with the, the playing on it and, and what Chris did when he mixed it as well. Yeah, I was looking. I was, I was that came up in your history playing Top of the Pops. That is, that's uh, that's really dated you there, mate. I know. I've you know I wouldn't mention that to anyone under probably twenty. What <laughs> you're? What have you ever been in Love Island, mate? Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah, something, something, <laughs> something really impressive. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so those you know those because obviously you know like yourself probably grew up watching Top of the Pops, you know, and that was my yeah. first exposure to Motorhead and stuff like that. So that's kind of, that was, that was such a big gateway for so much um, music, you know, Twisted Sister and stuff like that, seeing them on there. So it was kind of a, that was always a good one to do. But yeah, it's kind of, it's funny how these things come around. And the, the cool thing I thought about Abbey Road was we, um, we were in doing the recording and then we went down to... There's a canteen, we were having our lunch there, so we thought, right, let's get some food and do that. And then Chris Sheldon had worked on the Rocket Band soundtrack with Giles Martin, who's George Martin's son. Yeah. And and Giles came down and was like, all right, Chris, we so sat down and had lunch with us. And I was going, oh, me, this is insane. Because I love those um, those Beatles remasters and remixes that Giles himself has done. Obviously, his, his father is a legend as well. Or, so it was just it was just really bizarre being oh my god this is like George Martin's son we're sat in Abbey Road you know it's a it's a long way from County Andrew, Northern Ireland it was a good you know a good a good little bonus ball for the whole day you know? <laughs> the thing is it's also um, 
it, it's 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 that kind of industry, isn't it, where you can still have those things happening all these years into your career, and you can still have one of those moments where you just turn into like you know a giggling schoolchild. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was gonna, it was the classic. I was just sitting eating eating my noodles and jazz morning. And we were just talking about nothing. It wasn't even music related. I was talking about some friends in common and stuff. And I knew that because you go, be cool, be cool, be cool. And it was like, <laughs> noodles stuck to your <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually talking to this guy. Yeah, I'm so cool, I'm so cool. I've got noodles. Oh, yeah. But it was, it was, um, yeah, I think things like that are brilliant. I love them. You know, obviously, you know, being a, you know, a huge fan of music, you know, growing up and having so many heroes that we've been really lucky that we've, we've met a lot of them, you know, and I know there is the old adage, you never meet them and stuff, but honestly, everyone's been pretty much great that we've met, you know. I totally agree. I've had the same experience, exactly the same experience. And um, um, one thing I did want to ask you as well, I was back in those early days when, you know, you're coming to Rosetta and seeing, seeing my band for the first time, um, you would have been, you would have been like, pretty much on a, a solid diet of, of thrash metal back then um, or, or you know or were you was that, was that the case because I, I be, being in the north of England I think I had a similar experience to you in, in Belfast which is if you're into metal and something metal was happening you went you might not even like the band um, but it was just that kind of sense of community because there wasn't that many things that would go on yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of we, you know, <laughs> we celebrated metal in all its forms. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, even um, even when your mate's terrible glam rock band was playing the local pub, you kind of went, you yeah. know, because they they might play an early Motley Crue song, you know, as part of the set, which is always a wee bit of a treat. But yeah, there was a lot of. Um, Do you know what you've just reminded me of something? You really just reminded me of something, and that is going to see local bands with friends in, and um, and basically all of you just waiting until they play some covers. So you have to like you know just put up with the you know, put up with their stuff. Yeah, oh totally. So you just say, "Oh my god, it's terrible!" Please just just play Seek and Destroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing League with Satan. Playing League with Satan. Come on, get on with it. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's not. But yeah, we we were very into the the thrash thing. Like I suppose ACDC was the first kind of great love, and then you know I suppose we worked away. Aussie, we're really into Aussie actually because that was kind of uh, talk of the devil. That was the big one. I I, I was aware of Sabbath, but I never really because um, they were they were kind of done and dusted at that stage. You know, they kind yeah. of. Um, you know, and which is crazy when you think this would have been only what nineteen eighty eighty one or whatever. So they'd, they'd only been really, you know, they'd only been around for about ten or twelve years at that stage. So it just seemed like a long time ago. Led Zepp, you know, that was what your older brothers' friends listened to. So yes, yeah, and and also I I was told that they weren't metal. So like, you know. well, exactly. Yes, you know, I couldn't really get on with you know why. Oh, he plays acoustic guitar in some songs. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, pass me that Raven album. You know, we were, you know, those kind of, the, the, the new the new of British Heavy Metal, obviously Judas Priest, and then, you know, Kill Em All was such a, a massive thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Into that. And then through that, you know, obviously into Slayer and then the German thrash scene and then 
obviously the UK crash scene, which was coming up at the same time, onslaught and stuff in yourself. So it was, it was brilliant. You know, literally, I don't know, every three or four weeks, there was another album that blew your mind. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. insane. And from what I liked about it was, you know, the people making the music didn't seem that much older. They weren't <laughs> yes. talking about, you know, mystical mountains and things like that. It was kind of, you know, nasty but relatable and down to earth and 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 quite you know the, everyone kind of dressed the way you wanted to dress you know you kind of you know it wasn't it wasn't about wearing spandex or or having rid, ridiculous kind of costumes and stuff although we obviously all did love kiss and all but it wasn't about that it, that kind of spoke to us and because there was that energy you know that kind of dragged you know a lot of people into it you know because it was just such a you know you're 16 and you're just you know, you're you're angry about certain stuff and you're excited about certain stuff and your emotions are all over the shop. You know, it's kind of a... Um, it was just the perfect soundtrack to that kind of time, you know, and obviously the gigs yeah. were quite chaotic. And it, it had that punk DIY, you know, can-do attitude. And I, we absolutely love that, you know, that's... Well, I think I, I totally agree, and I think also it, that was what you just said there about you know the people weren't that much older than us, and they weren't singing about you know caves and rainbows. And I think it's like yeah, basically we had that's what that's what kind of thrash did. I felt like it was music for me, specifically targeted at me. You know what I mean? It was like. Uh, all of my older friends who who'd got me into metal were all into ACDC and Sabbath and and everything else. And when I played them like Kill 'Em All, they were just like, "Oh, fucking hell!" You know, no, that's that's too much. And I was like, "No, no, no this is this is not enough." <laughs> yeah, this is not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, need, I need more of this. Um, but it, it, it yeah, it was it was kind of weird because we were like you said, it seems so strange to think that like. Sabbath were only like you know, eleven, twelve years into their career at this point, you know, whatever, and and you know we're we're kind of thinking them as as old school, and um, and here we are now, you know, and they're kind of kind of still going. Um, yeah, so many years. No, it's 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 mad, and you know, I think, you know, ten years ago was very much my recent history. You know, <laughs> it's, it's so not, but um, yeah. I know, I know. It, it, it is good, and but in those days, you know, you, you know, without sounding like that old guy, but you know, you kind of a lot of things you would hear. Just it was kind of hard to hear stuff. You know, obviously the Friday Rock Show was where we would have heard a lot of stuff. That's where we would have heard Hellhammer and actually Slayer. I don't really sleep. I remember Tommy Vance playing that, and that blew on my mind. And um, you know, stuff like that, and then. A lot of things you just bought on the punt or, you know, the, the, the Kerrang! reviews was a big thing, you know, and yeah. it was almost like if something got a terrible review, you were nearly intrigued because it just sounded so odd. Like Celtic Frost, those first few albums and things were big because they were so weird and there was definitely like a like a weird, like an atmosphere to them that you couldn't really get, you know, what, you know, and then, you know, all the guys going to go, yeah, I'm, I'm into heavy metal. I'm going, all right, who do you like? Going, oh, I really like Poison and, you know, <laughs> Molly Crane. I'm like, yeah. no, this is, this is not, you know, Bon Jovi is not a heavy metal band, I'm sorry. Uh, pe- people say that to you and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm into metal. And you think, oh, great, you know, a, a kindred spirit. And you'd say, so who are you into? And they'd like rattle those off and you'd be like, oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, that's pop- 
that's pop rock. You know, yeah. I know, I know, and I, you know, I do have a fondness for those kind of things, but you know, um, it was never really such a, a life changing thing as as the thrash scene for me, and then obviously from the thrash scene. Then the death metal and grindcore and stuff like that, the UK hardcore scene and stuff like that, and it was, it was, you know, good good times, you know. And I think a lot of it is, you know, just happened at the the the, the right time for me as well. And I think, yeah. um, lots of people my age, you know, we're going to um, going to see Exodus Testament and Death Angel yeah. on Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're going down to Dublin to see them. Awesome. And I know I'm going to know a lot of people there I haven't seen in a long time, you know. And it's 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 good to see, you know. They're kind of they're, they're lifers, you know. It's it it, it stays yeah. with you. And I know everyone, you know, you know, you, you drift off, you know. You you have lives, you have families, you have careers, you do whatever, you know. And I think, um, it's just really nice still to be able to go, you know, because a lot of people, you know, there is this thing of oh yeah. I was into music when I was young, and it's like, thankfully, that doesn't seem to be. You know, it's almost like as soon as you hit twenty-five, you had to, you know, settle down. You know, you know, work your nine to five. You know, just be, become a, you know, just do what your parents, do what your dad, do what your grandfather did before, and all that kind of thing. And it's it's nice now that people, um, um, I suppose people have maybe realised that rock and roll's got a longevity. I think when it started, people thought it'd probably just be a fad that would burn itself out and. You know, everyone would soon wise up and get back to to normal, respectable life. And I, and I love that fact that, um, you know, those bands are still out there touring, and you know they're, you know, they're still youngish bands, you know, but there's bands a lot older still out there touring and stuff. And um, I really think take the opportunities while you can, because you don't know what's around the corner. And I think we've lost so many of the great musical heroes, especially recently. You know, due to different things, illnesses and, and stuff like that. It's kind of, I just think, yeah, just enjoy it while it's there and enjoy doing it while we all still can do it. You know, life's, life's too short, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you know what? That's a really good place to leave it. For now, I've got some subscriber questions, but um, for now, Michael, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Lovely, mate. Thank you so much. That was good fun. And there we go. Um, really enjoyed that chat. Um, that was, and, and and you know, there's a load more for uh, for patrons as well. Um, he, he was very very generous with his time, um, Michael, and it was just it was just an absolute pleasure. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it, it, it just what a band uh, they are. They are just how the, the the therapy machine keeps going and and, and keeps working is is just. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and Michael's Michael's a lovely chap, and that is the long that is the longest we've we've got to um, we've actually got to speak. Um, and it was great recalling all those uh, those old days as well. And because um, I, I you know I've, I've, I remember them coming out, and, and and you know obviously we were still active at the time as well. Um, and um, I remember that I remember them touring, supporting the Beyond. Um, yeah, it was just, um, it was great, really great to speak to, and I'm hoping to, um, to get him back on the show as well soon. Um, so, back to the stuff that is going on right now. Um, uh, yeah, there's a quote by um, uh, Chuck Billy, and it made me think, and I wanted to, I wanted to kind of pick up on it all, uh, pick up on it, because um, 
having you know being in a band and having put an album out um, fairly recently, I'm always I'm still surprised by the amount of people that go, how many is it sold? Oh, how many is it sold? How many of you sold? And it's it's that's really really isn't how a an, um, uh, a record is uh, success is measured. A record success is measured by social media imprint streams. Physical sales are a part of it, but streams, downloads, um, social media footprint, PR coverage is all just as, if not more, relevant. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I got a question recently, and absolutely no offence to this dude, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out who you are because um, it's a genuine question, and that's absolutely fine. And you're not, you know, you're not in a band, so you know, I'm, I'm not having a go at anyone, um, but sometimes, uh, it, it, yeah, it, right. Here we go. Question. Right. Here we go. Approximately how many physical copies of the album have been sold and how does that compare to obnoxious and the fear? I mean, basically, um, no comparison. I mean, that, that is literally like saying, um, uh, if you had a tenor now and a tenor back in 1990, can you buy the same stuff? No. It's there's just no comparison. It's apples. It's not even apples and oranges. It's apples and it's an apple and a steak. Okay, they're not even fruits. There is no comparison whatsoever. I mean, we would have probably done the entire sales of the Age of Entitlement in well, the the entire sales are the equivalent probably to the first week sales of the Fear or Obnoxious. I mean, it's just it's it just. It's irrelevant. It just doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, um, fucking merchandise is more important. How many T-shirts have you sold is a more important question. Is it, is, you know, and the way you judge the success of the album is, are the label happy? Yes. Did you get a lot of press? Yes. Did it go well down in reviews? Yes. Is it streaming strongly? Yes. Is it downloading strongly? Well, this then comes to a point, and it's a great point made by Chuck Billy in Blabbermouth, where he says, "Um, I've asked the same question going into work on the last few albums. Why do we even make records anymore when all people seem to want are singles? Thanks to the internet, many people will download one or two of their favourite tracks from a record, but they don't download, uh, download entire records anymore. Anymore, it's tough. You've got to get out there and hit the pavement. It's like you're starting over. You have to, t- you have to tour, push the record. Some people may want to buy the CD, but don't know where to get it. They no longer have the option of going out to a record store chain to buy it. They don't get to walk into a store, see an album, and say, "I can get that record right here." Cool. It's even cheaper than, here than anywhere else. Uh, sorry about that, I was just a bit of a tangent It was Chuck's tangent, Chuck is sorry by the way <laughs> um, We used to sell a lot of CDs that way, fine Okay, so basically what we're saying is That, um, you know, what he's saying is People don't even download, you know, a whole album And th- and that's true It tends to be more streaming um, And um, the the weird thing is For people of our era Who've got friends of the same age Who all still buy physical products they still think that that goes on everywhere and it fucking doesn't oh yeah but thrash metal i mean it is a bit no no thrash metal as well people have spotify people have youtube 
Yeah, people have Apple Music. That is what most, the massive majority, including metal, of people are listening to. And people will be listening to this and going, well, I don't. It's not about you! You do not define everyone. Oh, yeah, but everybody I know does it. Yeah, well, you don't know many people then, do you? Because we have the facts and the figures right here. Your opinion is based on who you know and what you think. It is not based on facts and numbers. And the numbers do not lie. People in metal, including Thrash, stream and download more than they buy physical copies. It's just a fact. So... Thank you very much to all of you. We've like, oh, I've got the CD, I've got the album, I've got the shirt. That's brilliant. Thank. I know for a fact some people are saying that who haven't. They just want to be heroes because that's the way social media works. But, you know, more than ever, thank you very much for buying physical product. Um, by the way, none of this is a complaint. None of this is me moaning. None of this is an old guy ranting against the internet and streaming and everything. It couldn't be further from the truth. I'm trying to get through to the people who think that physical product is still a massive thing and is still how you judge whether an album has been successful or how successful it has been. The question, how many have you sold, is redundant. Drop it. It's a waste of space. It's It's like asking how my fucking rickets are or asking if I've suffered from diphtheria recently or had cholera. It's as relevant. It's a dead phrase a dead meaning for dead formats. They're not completely dead. We still do them. Thank you very much for everyone buying them. But seriously, you know, you're you're constantly asking after the bones of a dinosaur. It's really not relevant when there's actual living creatures wandering the the plains. Where that fucking analogy has come from, I have no idea. That is proper fucking rubbish. That that is... um, yeah, that is frontier gibberish. One of my favourite phrases. That is frontier gibberish, if ever there was one. Um, and by the way, um, keep, an ear, keep an ear out later for special guest Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's right. I didn't get that wrong. Keep an, eye, keep an ear out later for special guest Tom Hanks. The Tom Hanks. Not a Tom Hanks. The Tom Hanks. But anyway... Anyway, Tom couldn't do a full interview, um, and instead I got <laughs> I got in touch with me, my own Hollywood mate, Russ Russell. That's right, Russ has produced some of the... Well, look at your collection, have a look through. Oh yeah, and I know I was just going on about how people don't buy physical property. Yeah, well, just forget that for a minute. You will see Russ Russell has produced at least one album that you own, the gamut of... Uh, of artists he's worked with, with, with is massive and wide and even includes me for one song but anyway let's not go on about that let's have a chat as I did a couple of weeks ago with my good mate Russ Russell Hey <laughs> Hello mate there. How you doing? I'm alright How are you mate? Alright running around like a nutcase as usual <laughs> always slightly behind <laughs> Well that's because that's you've always got so many different projects on the go mate that's right. <laughs> That's the price you pay for being popular. <laughs> so how have you been? 
Oh, I've been really well, mate. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. Look, just getting the new album out and all that, and you know, we yeah. we had um, typical music business bullshit. The album comes out on the on the Friday, and our live agent that we've had for five years and has booked the first half of the tour um, dropped us. So oh. yeah. Exactly. So that's basically created a, a four months of doing fuck all, which I'd rather not have had. But, you know, it's, um, it's actually worked out all right in the end, though, because now we've got, you know, a, a great agent who's doing a great job for the UK. And we've got a US and rest of the world agent, which is not something we ever had before. So um, this stuff outside the UK. It, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot more coming in. There's a lot more inquiries. So. It's um, so oh, you know good. what was initially a punch in the balls and a really shit has actually turned out to be uh, turned out to be all right. Oh, good! I'm glad. Well, I hope, I hope it doesn't get affected by all this bullshit going on at the minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've all we've all got to, uh, I presume, just um, you know, play the game. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, let's face it, we've been you know we've been overdue a pandemic for some time now. Yeah. And it yeah. and it was always going to be a flu-like virus, you know. Yeah. And it was always going to come from the far east, like like the rest all have, you know, like SARS yeah. and bird flu and everything else. Yeah, it was predicted a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Have you? Um, does it does it affect does it affect you in any way? Yeah, I've lost money already. Yeah. Really. Yeah, people can't come. People haven't got the budget because they've lost out on gigs or work. Um, you know, uh, Shane had a, a Japanese tour cancelled and he was going to use the money for that to start our next project. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that would still happen, but it's just been put back. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was going to do some live sound at Hammerfest. Obviously, that's gone. Oh, um, man. Do you want to do, do, do some live live sound at Bloodstock? Bloodstock? Uh, maybe. I'm still... I'm working out my movements that week. Well, because... well, you, you don't have to now because we're playing Bloodstock, which means you need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I would like to, but I am working at Boomtown, which is ah right, the, yeah. I think it's the previous weekend. Yeah. Uh, now it, it that sounds like it should be possible, but last time I went to Boomtown, I didn't get back until the following Thursday. <laughs> Oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds like there's some rock and roll to- uh, stories of excess, <laughs> <laughs> or, or is it just like total, just just complete confusion and uh, you know, uh, just well, the, not having the, your shit together. The, the party just continued. It, it didn't seem to matter that there was no more acts playing. It just carried on. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Well, look, in all seriousness, we'll have to have a chat about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, in fact, in, in fact, that leads me nicely into. Um, uh, I mean, we we spoke a long time ago before we started recording the album, and you, you know, there was there was it was looking like there was a time where um, we were going to be working together, and you were going to do it, but it, it didn't yeah. it didn't quite come off. Um, and, no, um, but but I but I really appreciate that man because you were you were one of the first people outside of like our inner sanctum to sort yeah. of confirm to us that it wasn't shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, fucking great stuff always. Yeah, and 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 so when when I got that kind of reaction from you, I was like, excellent. I mean, I was pretty sure, but now I know I'm not mad. 
No, um, no yeah, don't, don't worry. I would tell you if it was shit. <laughs> I, and, and I have no doubt. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, my job, isn't it? <laughs> it? It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. Producer slash calling the shots. Um, but, but speaking of which, I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested to ask you this uh, because I'm, I'm Jace is, you know, the 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 production on the album is get, gets mentioned in nearly all the reviews and. Mm. Um, and Jace has been blown away by it because he's, you know, he's, he's done loads and loads of stuff. But and, and like all of a sudden he does a thrash album and it's like, you know, it's getting mentioned all over the place. And he was like, fucking hell, this is this is really bizarre. But I, I was I was kind of saying to him, I think I think it's kind of, it, 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 you know, well, maybe not just thrash metal, but kind of extreme metalers. The, the pay extreme attention to things like production. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The finer details. Well, it's kind of where it all started, really, isn't it? I mean, the the, the real push forward in, in modern heavy production all came from, like, the, the thrash area, didn't it, really? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I personally, I always think back, and I'm, I think back to two landmark albums, and that's um, um, Demanufacture and Far Beyond Driven from a production point of view. Well, I think, uh, for me, it was Master Puppets. That's what changed my mind. <laughs> oh, right, you're going back a little bit further. <laughs> yeah. To me, that was like, wow, listen to the sound of that. Listen to the yeah. sound of those drums and the sound of that guitar uh, and the effects that were on it and the and the clean parts and the acoustic parts. And I was like, wow, this is fucking exciting from, uh, you know, the, the, from an engineer and producer's point of view. Uh, and that's what really made me go, oh, yeah, I want to do that. Really? So is that, I mean, you know, you're going back that far and rather than rather than making you want to pick up a guitar, it made you want to focus on production? Yeah, I mean, I was already playing in bands and I was already recording, but um, I was mostly sort of in the punk world, which, you know, I love, still love today, obviously. But um, that was like the big crossover point for me. It was when, you know, things could be things could sound expensive yes yes you know? yeah. because obviously that was never the the objective with punk yeah 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 no i know i know exactly what you mean as in it's like oh it's it, it's okay to sound good yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah yeah because with punk there's very much a kind of like well you know who can get the roughest and readiest kind of sound but yeah yeah but there were there were a few punk bands that that did have a you know a slightly more polished sound but they they weren't the kind of bands that I was dealing with, you know. It was just very much recorded in the on a four track cassette in your garage kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, that, and that's plenty good enough. So in the so in the same year, what was can you can you remember what your reaction was when you first heard Rain in Blood? Because that again is a uh, landmark production. Yeah, it is. I, I I'll be honest. I was a little bit late to that party. Right. Okay. I I think it was. It must have been a good few years before I caught up with that. And I, I can't, I don't really know why. I don't know how I missed it when it came out. <laughs> well, but, you know. Oh, I do remember the first time I heard it, just going, holy shit, things just got fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember, um, well, maybe because it was, maybe because it wasn't out here. I mean, it was on import for a long time. And then, the, and there was all yeah. the controversy over Angel of Death as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, 
I guess it's it's just you know it's just one of those things, isn't it? But I mean, I was I was always amazed by that production. I think I must have bought three or four copies of it because it was cut so loud that yeah. the stylus used to jump and 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 scratch the fucker, and you'd go back and get another copy. <laughs> but yeah. um, but I do, I mean I, I did treasure those albums. But I'm I'm interested that, that the fact that that is that like. So early, you were you were kind of one foot. You were one foot in both camps, you know, one in one in production and one in in creation of the music as well. Did, yeah. you, did you always see your future on the production side? Yeah, very quickly. I very quickly kind of came to the realization that a I was never going to make any money out of being a punk band, <laughs> uh, and and secondly, just every time I was in the studio, whether it was with my bands or with friends' bands. Just hanging out in studios, I was like, you know, this is home. I feel so at home here. And I was really lucky to have some really nice studio engineers around here that didn't mind me leaning over their shoulder and asking questions. And, um, you know, there was a lot of really helpful people around. Uh, So, yeah, it was just obvious to me that, like, yeah, this is the path I'm going and that and that is such a familiar tale as well because it is it that that is almost the, the same well maybe not now with people you know having you know growing up with with tech on the laptops but yeah. back in the day that's you know that that hanging around in the studio and and watching people do stuff and like and, and you know absolutely you kind of start off making the tea and then and then you sort of you know before you know it you're getting a drum sound <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I kind of missed out the tea boy bit. I mean, obviously, they'd make the odd cup of tea every now and again, but I, I, I wasn't kind of in that role as such. As in, I never really worked for the studio. Uh, right. I was always just hanging out with bands. Right. So I kind of had it better than the tea boy, really, because I could <laughs> sit at the desk and watch everything that's going on and not have to bug off and make everybody tea all the time. Um, and I just, I just kind of... Uh, I used to liken it to to being the ball boy in tennis. I was always just on the sidelines and ready to help. Yeah, ready to just dash in. Yeah, um, and just make myself available and indispensable. Yeah, and that, that's when producers started saying, "Oh, do you want a job?" Yeah, I mean that 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 is like you say it, it's. Um... It, 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 the, when the work starts coming to you, it's kind of like, right, okay, the, maybe I should do this then. Hmm, yeah. And, um, I was exceptionally lucky that it, it worked, followed work, followed work, and it just kind of snowballed. Um, I didn't really ever have a great deal of downtime yeah, as soon as it really kicked off. But I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of you make your own luck, and I think, like, you know... The work, the work that you did, obviously got noticed by other people, and that's you know that that's how it started. So is it, has it been? Have you been kind of like pretty much on a, you know, not a, not so much a, a treadmill in a negative way, but have you pretty much been like you know on the production line, just projects back to back ever since? Yeah, or, you know, yeah, and it, it can kind of run away with you a bit. You know, you you realise that you know, bloody hell, it's, you know, it's five years since I had a holiday. It's yes. You know, I, I, and I'm not going to as many gigs as I used to, and I'm not going to as many festivals as I used to. Yeah. You know, because you're just working all the time. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally you have to just really dig your heels in and put the brakes on and go, whoa, yeah, I'd need a break. Yes, yeah. Rest, um, rest which those I have ears. done more recently. And um, what did you do? 
Uh, well, last year I took about five, six months out and just did tattooing. Right. Um, completely different yeah. part of the brain, you know? Yeah. That, that was really good therapy. Um, and I'm, I, I wish I could have carried on doing more of that, but unfortunately I had an accident and I couldn't couldn't assume the position that you need to do that work. Oh, no, what happened? Uh, oh, I, I just, uh, I slipped over on some black ice just before um, Christmas, not Christmas gone, Christmas before, uh, broke a rib and damaged my diaphragm. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was a long time before I could sort of bend over into that position you need to be in to tattoo people. And yeah. by that point, I, I, I was also a little bit skinned because I hadn't been able to work at all. Um, and yeah, it, was a, you know, it was a bit of a run of bad luck. I had two albums that were cancelled, so that was quite a big chunk of money that just disappeared. Um, and I was like, shit, I really need to get back to work properly. Uh, so I haven't had time since to do it much more in the tattoo world, but I do love it. That's, um, I, well, first off, um, I've, I've bust quite a few ribs over the years playing football and um, I think unless uh, un- unless you're talking to somebody who's ever cracked or broken a rib you can't you know no one can understand the discomfort and agony that no that, I mean that... the first two weeks were horrific oh just breathing just breathing and you can't you know yeah. you can't lie you, you can't lie down at all because no. like you lie on your back and you don't realise that yeah but that's that's you know that's where your rib cage attaches yeah, well, I broke it round the back. Oh, no. Yeah, sort just, you know, it's all under my arm, but it's more round the back. And, uh, yeah. Fucking <laughs> good. Oh, mate, that is, that is horrible. That is horrible. Um, and then I went through the whole thing of, you know, being prescribed all these different painkillers and then suddenly realising you're addicted to them. Oh, fucking hell, I've got to sort that out now. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. So that sounds like that sounds like it was a, an, a, an inverted commas interesting period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, at least it forced me to have a rest. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's the yeah, that's the um, that, that's the universe at work saying yeah, you need to have some time off. Uh, I did always look on the bright side. I mean, I caught up on loads of movies I've been meaning to watch for years and TV <laughs> series and stuff. No, I in the studio and someone would say, oh, have you seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? You go, no, because I haven't been out of this chair for five years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's weird. I would Im- I would imagine that you start kind of like, you start looking back over the years and, and they and they kind of fall into sort of albums, like, oh, yeah, that was the year that I did so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so. And, yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, or, or someone turns around and says, oh, yeah, so-and-so's like, you know, five years old. And you think, hang on, I fucking did that. And I thought that was like two years ago. Yeah, well, we were listening yesterday in the studio to uh, somebody asked me about one of the old bands that I was involved with, not only a production, but musically as well. And I looked and I was like, Jesus Christ, it was 21 years ago. Fucking hell. Like, and you think, it still seems like a, quite a recent thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that's, uh, you I, know that feeling. I'm I was sure. going to, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. I know that feeling well and truly. Um, yeah. But uh, well, it was like I, I remember when I came down to um, to record that um, that version of Goddess with Cerebral Scar. Yeah, and, uh, I just remember I remember doing we, when we were in there doing the vocals, and I just went, "That's it." And you and you and you went, "Hey, 
there's another, there's another minute and a half of this song left yet. I was like, yeah, no, old school, isn't it? <laughs> and it was just like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, f- forgot, yeah. It's like, we were 17 when we wrote this. We, we didn't know about song structures and, okay, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, verse, chorus, That's verse, chorus, day, you know, verse, I chorus, really verse, chorus, that. needless one and a half minutes of <laughs> musicianship and end. Uh, yeah, it was a good yeah. laugh, man. That was a, that was yeah. a good laugh. Um, it was brilliant. Yeah. So, um, I, um, I was one. I, I have to. I, I've got a terrible memory, so I have to try and you know when as I remember things, I, I, yeah. I I'll just throw them at you. Um, so, how did you get involved with um, the last Machine Head single, and, and, um, and what was that like to work on? It was great, great. A couple of people were like, oh, you know, or oh, Verdi can be a bit difficult to work with. And do you know what? It's, Rob's an absolute pussycat. Yeah. He couldn't be nicer. Such a gentleman. And, um, yeah, I just I got a, an email from their management saying, um, we're doing a test mix for the new single. Do you want to have a go? And I don't generally do test mixes. You know, with most stuff, I'm like, well, you've heard my work, you either like it or you don't, kind yes. of thing. Yeah. But it just so happened that I had a couple of days free that week, and I, and I thought, well, seen that's a bit different. Uh, yeah, why not? So I had a go, and apparently, I didn't know this till afterwards. They had nine people try out for it. Wow. Um. Uh, and I didn't hear anything back for weeks and weeks, well over a month. And I thought, oh, I haven't got it. And then the phone rang, and it just said Oakland, California. And I was like, I know that's there. <laughs> <laughs> and he just said, hey, it says Rob Flynn from Machine Head. Said, yeah, he didn't have to say from Machine Head. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he just said, yeah, we, we absolutely love it. Uh, do you want to do some more stuff? And we've done quite a bit now. Oh, right. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, he said he didn't want to um, kind of write a, a, an album in the traditional sense and put it all out at the same time. He just because it's so busy with the Burma Eyes reunion and the, you know the massive tour. Um, yeah. He just said, "I want to write a song whenever I've got time and whenever the mood takes me." Um, so you'll be getting songs, you know, sporadically throughout the year. I said, "Yeah, great." You know, obviously I can't just drop everything and do it the following day but he said you know there's no real sort of tight deadlines for stuff you get plenty of notice on it well that's um, that, that's quite cool isn't it because you haven't got that yeah. you haven't got that label pressure you haven't got that look this is the deadline the tours are all booked festivals yeah. are waiting you you know that that's the cut off uh, and, and from his point of view he can pick any sort of style or mood that he fancies and just do one off track without having to worry about, oh, does it fit into the flow of an album? Yeah. Do I need to write more songs like this? So I think it's quite liberating for him. Um, oh, yeah, he's really enjoying it. And it seems to be doing really well. People are really digging it. Although, uh, I, as ever, it seems to be something about them. They're very polarising. People yeah. absolutely fanatically love it or, or you know, throw their toys out of the cart about it. Or or throw a or throw a pint of beer over the mixing desk halfway through. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. fucker. Jeez. Oh, I tell you what, I can't believe that those beers are expensive. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who the fuck is wasting like twelve quid 
on a beer to throw, you know, to (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, But that's a really interesting way of working. Um, Mm. I mean, and and so you're you're you're. Have you done anything? Have you done anything else, or is there like? Is are you just waiting on the next bits and pieces to come through? Uh, yeah, we we've done quite a bit of stuff. Um, I, I I can say this now. It, it was under wraps for a while, but I saw he announced this the other day. Uh, he's working on a solo album as well. Ah, um, right. Well, some some would say the 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 last machine had up was a solo album, but you know, well, let, yeah. let's let's park but, that. But this, this is a different vibe. It's it's something he does for charity every year on his birthday. He puts together a band of you oh, know, yeah. friends, uh, all different musicians from around his area, and they just do cover versions. Um, so he he's now decided they've been doing it for so many years. They've got quite a quite a repertoire now of songs that they do. Uh, so he said, "Oh well, you know, let's record it and put it out as an album." And why not? Uh, I'm not at liberty to say which songs, but it's yeah. it's a brilliant selection of songs. Oh right, okay, cool. I'm, well, I'm, I'm that I'd be interested in hearing definitely um, because um... it's re- it's really well done. Some of the best cover versions, you know. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of cover versions most of the time, um, but. I think if you kind of make it your own, do something a bit different with it, or, yeah. or just get in some absolutely staggering musicians who can really play the shit out of it, you know. Um, but it's really good, really good album. It's, it, I, it's not a whole album yet. I think he's going to record some more stuff after he's finished with some of this touring. Um, but he said the other day on Facebook about all the different influences and different stuff he's been doing, including some hip-hop, which I haven't heard yet. I'm introduced, interesting to hear that. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of heard his sort of, his, uh, his, his, well, obviously, his kind of like rap metal kind of hip-hop-y attempts over the years. Yeah. Um, but actual all-out, full-on hip-hop might be a better idea rather than trying to blend it with metal. But um, <laughs> yeah. you, you never know. You never know. Um, yeah. So what have you got? Um, so you've got you've got um, Machine Head on the go at the moment. Um, is um, a- anything interesting that's uh, that's uh, coming your way, or anything interesting that's about to come out that you that you want to flag up and say, look, that's coming and it's it's really good. Uh, well, I've literally just finished the Napalm album this week. Oh, really? Uh, no, last week. Sorry. Um, yeah, done the the final master on that at last. It's been well, a long, long time happening. Well, that's awesome because basically that was pretty much the album that I was that, that I was kind of hinting at. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so you're finally done and done, are you? Yeah, I bloody hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, though. We shame. you might come back and go. I've got another idea. <laughs> so, are you um, so, so do you do you master as well then? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I hate doing it. I really do. It's really dull. It's not. I don't find it creative and inspiring at all. It's uh, it's far too, uh, I don't know, like, it's almost like an office job, the amount of bloody paperwork you have to do to go with everything. So is, um, it, is it also, do you, do, you, um, do you export the stems and master from that? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I do in different ways. It depends on the project. Um, but this one... Because uh, I've got two studios, the one that you came to, and I've also got one in the back of my house. Um, 
And this time, I've mixed it and mastered it at home instead of in the studio. Did and, and did that did that help with the boredom? <laughs> it, it it takes a certain discipline to work at home. Oh God, uh, yes. Oh yes, yes. But I'm lucky. It's not actually in the house. I'm in a separate building down the end of the garden. So I am kind of isolated at least. Yeah. And there's there's no uh, no interruptions really. Um, um but yeah, it's a, it's a great little great little cozy I call it the red room because the whole room is bright red. <laughs> that's um that's got to be a weird room to spend a lot of time in. I I find it really relaxing. Some people walk in and go, "Whoa, it's like being in the fires of hell." <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I find it so comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, and presumably um, the new napalm is just like you know, as always, just completely ripping your face off. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, there's, there's they've gone even more diverse than they have on the last couple of albums. We've got some very melodic mid-paced stuff, uh, really catchy, you know, proper sing-along tunes. Um, Shane's done a lot more vocals on this album. His, his vocals have been coming on leaps and bounds over the past few years. Um, he'd never really sung before, apart from the odd bit of shouting. And when we did our project, Tronos, when we did the album, yeah, we were looking around for singers for ages. And we had a few bits of interest from people, but nobody could commit the time to it. So we decided we were going to just uh, demo the vocals ourselves so at least we could give them to people and say, this is what we want. Um, and he started singing. And I said, mate, your voice is really good. And kind of the more he sang, the stronger he got and the more ideas he got. Right. By the time we got halfway through the album, I said, well, we don't need it singing. <laughs> You're doing it. And uh, yeah, so he became the main vocalist for the project. That's... And we went back, back and re-recorded the first tracks that we've done, and it turned out really good. So now he's got this new, this new sort of confidence in his voice, and he practices a lot. Having two small kids, he sings along with them, nursery rhymes and stuff all the time. Been singing and singing like all day, every day to build his strength up, and now he's got a killer voice. It's really good. That's awesome. That is awesome, and I, and I think it, it, it's exactly you know you hit on a really important word there with with vocals, which is which is confidence. Yeah, you know it's like you know it, if there's um, if there's one thing that you need when it comes to working in the studio, it's confidence. No matter you know yeah. no matter whether you're a singer, a bass player, or whatever. Um, and um, and and you know as you and i but as you and i know as well some people get that you know that that red light fever and and you know that you can be a, you can be a great musician but but for some reason the studio is like not your environment yeah and also i think a lot of the time people freak out when they hear themselves back the first time oh, god, like, oh my yeah. god is that me you know and a lot of people hate the sound of their own voice yeah uh, you know and until maybe it's actually sort of put into a mix with the appropriate effects or whatever um, but when, when people first hear their own raw, loud voice back in the studio, they go, oh, my God, oh, I, I don't like it. And I've seen a lot of people have a bit of a wobble at, at that. But, yeah, as soon as he got over that first uh, initial hurdle of, oh, actually, it's not bad, is it? 
and that was it. He just grew and grew. I mean, have you heard that Tronos album we did? I know I haven't. I've got to admit, I haven't. There, there's a there's a track called The Judas Cradle. You should check out the video for it. It's a lined-in video. And uh, a massive, epic song. And that's Shane doing about 90% of the vocals on it. I will definitely check that out. And um, and I'm kind of obviously I've got a, you know I've got I've got a, a dog in this fight, but I'm I'm interested to find out you know when you're working with a vocalist for the first time, um, mm. presumably there is a feeling out process where you're kind of mm. like you know a because it's like you know you may, you may have somebody there you've 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 heard their albums but it's the first time you've worked with them. And then they yeah. go in the booth, and it's like either like you're like you're kind of like you're expected to be blown away, and then you think, "All oh, right, shit, no, actually, this is going to be pieced together word by word." Or you might have somebody where you know you're thinking like, "Well, this might be a bit hard work," but it turns out they just smash it. It's got a bit, and, and everything in between. Is it is it a bit of a sort of feeling out process? Yeah, exactly. That's a very good way of describing it. Actually, you know, you, you, it, you know it's working both ways as well. They, they learn what I'm looking for, and. I learn how they work because it is different with every singer, and 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 in, indeed with every album or even every song. And some songs might get belted out in one go, or it, it might be divided up into verses and choruses, or it might be one line at a time, or it might even be one word at a time. Sometimes, yeah. you know, it totally depends on what's going on and the person and what kind of frame of mind they're in, and and how punishing the song is. Yeah, so, yeah. You got to kind of, you've both got to kind of find out, you know. Because some people say, "Well, how do you want to do it?" And I say, "Well, it's not about how I want to do it. Is it? <laughs> you're, you've got to open your mouth for the words to come out. You know, how are you most comfortable? Let, let's find out. Let's try. Let's have a run through of the song, but don't kill yourself on it. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll just see. Have we got to divide it up line by line, or verse at a time, or or how's it going to work? Um. <laughs> And quite often, especially if it's a full album project, I'll get the vocal mic set up as quickly as possible rather than... I hate leaving all the vocals till the end. I think it puts too much pressure on a vocalist. Thank you very much. I've been waiting for somebody to say that for 30 fucking years. (laughs) So, So, I mean, really, as soon as there's enough music down to sing to, I'll be like, right, come on, let's start the vocals now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Try and spread it out as over as much time as possible. Oh, there's there's nothing worse than having a band member turn round after, like you know, n- like you've got like eighty percent of the music done. There's nothing worse than a fellow band member turning round and going, "Right, you've got to spread some magic over this. Don't fuck it up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the classic. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The 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 classic uh, complimentary encouragement. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, and it, it, I, I'm, says, oh, just watch some dickhead come and ruin it now. This is <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah, brilliant. But you, you're absolutely right. I've always felt that. I've always felt. I've always felt that pressure. But I, I and but but also, I think I kind of like I default to. I'm really, really, really collaborative. Like I want to be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm going to go in there and the song's demoed and I'll have a, and there's a few ideas of bits and pieces I want to do, but. You know, any ideas, any ideas that whoever I'm working with, any ideas you've got, you know, throw them in. There are no, you know, the old classic, there are no bad ideas. You know, you just mm. you try everything and try anything, mm. you know. Yeah, um, and that and that for me has always helped me kind of deal with that pressure, which is rather like, well, there's now it's on it's on two people's shoulders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, and that's part of it as well, you know, getting to know somebody and, and feeling out how it's going to go. You've you got to see how how kind of finished and set they are in their ways. Cause some people say, yeah. no, that's how it is. That's how I've written it. That's how I've rehearsed it for the past three months. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you go, okay, well, then let's just concentrate on the performance. And then other people will come in and go, well, I've got about 60% of it, which I, I want as it is. But the rest of it, I've kind of got ideas that we need to play around with. And you go, cool, magic. Yeah, great. However you want to play it. Yeah. And then you've got other people who come and go, actually, I haven't written this song at all. Can you help? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's right up there. That's right up there with as some as, as one guitarist is tracking something. You've got another guitarist or a bass player looking at him, going, "Oh, do you play that there?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time. All the fucking time. Um, but um, but I, I, I'm also I think um, I, I I can't remember who it was. I remember hearing saying this, but. Um, it was it was someone talking about like dealing with singers, and we'll get we'll you know we'll get off singers in a minute. But there was just one thing I wanted to find out, which is like when you're dealing with you know when you're dealing with um a, you know a guitarist or a drummer. There's there's obviously you know we've all got ego involved, and and as we've talked about that feeling out process and finding out what somebody's like and all the rest of it. But when you're when you're tracking a vocalist, it's like it's not it's not oh just little things like you know. If, if if a guitarist is doing a take, you can stop him and just go, mate, I think you're a bit out of tune there. Oh, sorry, yeah. okay, no problem. Whereas yeah. whereas saying that to a vocalist is a completely other fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, they can't just tweak a little peg and put them in, themselves in tune. And also, it's much harder to stop someone when they're in full flow doing a vocal. Because yeah. it really kills the vibe if you suddenly stop the tape and they're halfway through a line and go, ah, oh, oh, oh. Nothing so, yeah, worse. So, sometimes you have to at least leave it to the end of the line. Yeah. And, uh, and they go, oh, yeah, I might be a little bit flat there, mate. There's yeah there's and, and and but again it's it's like it's that you're you're dealing with somebody it's like no you are the instrument as in like whatever noise you're making it's actually it's you so when you when you then go to criticize well not critic well yes criticize or however you want to put it you know constructively criticize the performance there is it's it's that much more personal do you know what I mean yeah I mean, as with as with all musicians to a certain extent but particularly with vocalists. Um, you got to, you got to, you know. Some people you have to kind of take by the hand and sort of walk them gently through it, uh, and and create as little fuss as possible. Uh, other people you got to shout at them a little bit <laughs> and go, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, it, but you know, that's that's the massive side of my job is learning the the psychology of people. Yes. Um, what does that person need? Does he need beating with a stick? Yeah. Or does he need does he need a hug? <laughs> it's it's it's, foot, it's football management, isn't it? Do they need a kick yeah. up the arse or do they need an arm around the shoulder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. That's vital, vital. Well, the thing is, I think you know um, when you're recording an album, you you become you know the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever member of the band, don't you? I mean, it's basically uh, yeah. Hopefully, that's that's you know it's like where I like to be. I can you know part of it rather than us and them kind of attitude. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think, you know, when you get, it's, 
I don't know. It's kind of like you, you do. You get in that. You get in that space whereby it, it's it, it is almost like you're in the band. And I think then then when you're kind of contributing ideas or suggestions, it it, it all works within the framework of everybody understands the dynamic as opposed to mm. you know you know feeling like oh hang on this you know this this producer is trying to change our songs you know yeah. for 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 his own benefit yeah but that's another thing that you have to kind of work out as well i mean not just go steaming in with big boots on the first day and go right this is it i'm going to change all these song structures they're rewrite the lyrics you're playing that in the wrong key you know you've got to be very gentle with those kind of brutal changes to someone's music. Well, you know, we're, it's an intensely personal thing. We're, we're artists, love. We're artists. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't just walk in and go, you know, I think your missus is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be a bit careful how you say things. Yeah. Yeah, have you have you ever had um I mean, look, we've all we've all got those stories and I don't expect you to name names, but you know, I presume you have had the, the, the classic, you know, bands in fucking, you know, breaking up while they're making the album or there's just, like, quite hideous tensions between members and stuff like that. Yeah, fist fights in the control room and everything, yeah. Yeah, fist, fist, fist fights in the control room. What a great what a great title for your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oh, nice one, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's right back at you. It's yours. For some, for some reason, I've got love, hate, blackout in the red room in my fucking head. And I'm, just, it's, I'm, th- I'm, and I'm thinking it's like, yeah, it's like fist fights in the control room. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Then, because then it's like you're just a fucking counsellor, aren't you? And you, you know, you're losing out. You're going to lose. You're going to lose hours out the day because you can't just pretend like it hadn't happened. You've got to, you've got to, you know, sort it out. It, it very much depends on who it is and what point in the album you're at. I mean, if if the if the bass is already recorded and the bass player's just had a fight with the singer, then I don't give a shit if the bass player yeah. leaves. <laughs> yeah, go, please. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, if if the drummer's about to do his last take of drums and he's having a fight with a guitarist in the car park, you've got to be like, ooh, shit, I need to sort this out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But sometimes, you know, come on, lads, what the fuck are you doing? Get a grip. Just focus on what's important here. Uh, or, go, come on then, lads, tell me what's going on. Can I help? Yeah. Yeah. Or... Both of you just fuck off and sort it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, stuff getting thrown around, you know, damage happening to the studio and things like that. I, you know, obviously, I, I can't really put up with that. Yeah. But there's also, and I think, I, there's also that sort of um, uh, scolded school kids kind of vibe, isn't there? Whereas, where you're saying, look, you know, this is a, this is a fucking, this is a place, you know, this is a professional place of. Of of work, mm. and and you know if you're going to start all that shit, you know fuck off out in the car park and sort it out. And you've almost got you've almost got two people. You've almost got then sort of two grown adults feeling like sort of school children. Then haven't you kind of going like, oh dear, we've kind of fucked uh, up here. I I did work. I can't. I wish I could name names because it'd be <laughs> funny, but I can't name names. But there right. was one band in particular 
And that's how they sorted out all arguments was by going out in the car park and punching each other. <laughs> and, and, it, and it worked. It worked. Every, every every argument, every discussion ended up with a minimum of a, a, of a dead arm, but quite often a punch in the face out in the car park. And then that was it. It was all over and they'd just get on with it. And, and it would never be spoke of again. And they, they could just sort out every little detail but just by going up in a bit of a ruck. Well, I mean, all all families are different, but that is that is mad. But you know, <laughs> hey, what, what, whatever works for you, I guess. But that's yeah. that is nuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think at one point they all had black eyes. Fucking <laughs> hell! That's ridiculous. Yeah. Have you have you have you had a situation where you've gone like you sort of got halfway through a session or whatever, and you just gone like, look, guys. Um, you know whether it's whether it's you know it's a fractious relationship within the band or you know the songs. Oh, I, there. I've been responsible for people being fired from bands. Really? You know, if, if you know you you kind of see it from the outside and you think that guy has contributed nothing to this album apart from negativity. Right. You know yeah. he hasn't he hasn't written any good parts. He's not even a good player. All he's done is sit there and bitch about everybody else, bring everybody down and add this really nasty fucking black cloud to the whole experience. And so, you know, I'll have a chat with somebody on the side and go, what the fuck's this guy's deal? You know, he's not responding to any of my either kindness or big stick treatment. He's, he's just basically saying, fuck the world and fuck everybody and fuck this album. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do with this guy? And sometimes people go, look, it's okay. You know, he's just going through a bit of a bad patch at the minute. He's not normally like this. And you go, okay, all right. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to give, give people a bit of space sometimes. You don't know what's going on in their private life necessarily. Uh, but other times, I go, you've got to get rid of him. He's fucking dragging the band down. Yeah. You know, which is, it's a, it's, it takes a really extreme situation for that to happen. Now, that doesn't happen very often at all. But there have been a couple of times where I've said, look, you've got to get rid of this guy because otherwise... You're going to get nowhere, and this album will be shit. And it, you know you're wasting your time. But but also, don't you feel don't you feel sometimes as well when someone's like that, it's a case of, do you know what, mate? You don't actually want to be in this band, and it doesn't yeah. make you happy. You just haven't yeah. got the balls to leave. Yeah, totally. You know, and and I I I genuinely think that when things get that bad, that is often the case. That it's yeah. like. It's almost like, do you know what? I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna. It's that old. I'm gonna treat them like shit until they chuck me because I haven't got the balls to to chuck exactly. them. <laughs> exactly. Very often is exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, well, it's 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 funny though, isn't it? Because in the studio, you've got you've got a bunch of artistic people working on an artistic project. I mean, it's a miracle that every band doesn't have a massive fucking fight, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. In most bands, it's, it's funny how it, there is a, a kind of pattern, particularly with metal bands, particularly with extreme metal bands. Um, there seems to be a kind of pattern of types of people who get together to form these bands. You, you'll have one guy that is blatantly in charge, the alpha male. Um, one guy who's very much the, the quiet artist, but puts an immense amount of work into it. Uh, you'll have one guy that's really flamboyant who maybe doesn't add a great deal to the songwriting, but 
you know, he's a really good vibe merchant. Uh, and then you'll get one guy who doesn't really give a shit either way. It's just there to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is that sometimes that sometimes that kind of like make weight member is the, is the person that holds everything together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah. like you say. You know, you might think someone's like not contributed massively towards the project, but then you see that they do. They add a couple of little bits and pieces, but they're also kind of like they're keeping everybody else in check, as it were. Yeah, yeah. They they stop the other two guys from having a fight, and you know, and they they make sure that everyone's eating properly, and <laughs> you know, it's almost like having the, the mum of the band in a way. Yes, a lot of times. Someone there to just look after everybody else, and um, and it's kind of weird as well because you've been you've been involved. I would imagine like when you when you started, you were you know you were it was all tape and splicing. Yeah, yeah. And so and 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 you've come all the way through to like you know Pro Tools and gridding and everything else, and it's um, mm. it's a massive change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it did kind of creep creep in gradually. Yeah, the, 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 there's been computers around in studios for a long, long time. Um, I was very lucky that um, my mother was massively into computers very early on. Yeah, you know, right at the birth of home computing, she had like business computers in the house, and she taught me how to use them basically and how to program. So when these machines started turning up in studios, and everyone was going, "What is this satanic bullshit?" in a silver box. Uh, and I was like, oh, I don't know how to use this. So that became my job very early on. Everyone was like, yeah, well, you can use it. We don't understand what it's doing. <laughs> but it was integrated with tape. Yeah. It used to be both together for, for a long, long time. And um, do, you, um, do you kind of, do you, do you miss anything about those kind of like tape days or do you prefer how it, how it works now? In a way... There, there are definitely some things that would be nice to experience again. There's a few things I miss, but on the whole, no. Yeah. Uh, for, for many reasons, actually, because I think firstly, because there aren't the album budgets that there were 25 years ago. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, just some of the albums I was doing like 25 or even more years ago. It might be a debut album or, or a second album for a really small, you know, niche market band on a very small label. And they'd get seven, eight weeks of studio time as standard. Yeah. Uh, so you could work on tape, you know, because you could go over and over it as many times as you want, get as many takes as you want. Obviously, it was a bit more tricky to actually manipul- manipulate people's performances like you turn on a computer. So it did mean that people actually had to play it, which uh, might sound funny, but <laughs> it doesn't happen so much these days. No, um, but, that, but you know what? You've picked up something really important there, which is uh, which I, I think gets overlooked, which is the people who have who've been affected more than anybody are drummers. Mm, you know, I yeah. mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mark, our drummer, is um, you know listening to like obnoxious and the, uh, uh, you know our album from ninety and there's like a nine minute yeah. song on there and he's like oh you know it's uh, he's like sorry I, I was going to do the old Geordie accent there but, <laughs> but he's like um, but he's like he's saying like you know well you know he's oh he, you know he speeds up like towards you know in that section and stuff or whatever and it's like 
yeah, mate, that was one take. It's a nine minute song. Yeah. And he's like, you know, it's like try. He can't get his head around it. What? 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 Why? Why would you play? Why would you do it? Because we fucking had to. So, and you, you do still get it a little bit, but I remember the feeling of excitement of looking through the window when you're watching a drummer get to the last thirty seconds of oh. a nine-minute song. Yeah, I think you don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Come on, come yeah. on! You can do it. You can do it. Yes. And he finishes, and the whole room erupts as if there's a goal being scored. Yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or, or the, or the... you do still get it a little bit, but not like that. But you get, or you used to get the other side of that, where where it's like it's like is there, is there, is there, is there? and there's like there's a stick drop or something like that, <laughs> and 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 it's just producer with head in hands and all the band are looking at him going, is, is, can you save it? Is there any way? Is it... No, no. Start again. Start again. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah. I mean, you, you could always. You know, cut the tape when you can always drop in, but it's much, much harder, obviously, than having a computer. Oh God, yeah. I mean, because yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember a, a, you know attempts to drop in, drop drums in when we were working on our uh, albums back in the day, and it was just like horrific, basically, yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely horrific. But um, yeah. but yeah, there is there there is still that I I know what you mean that kind of that 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 vibe about um, about a take. But also, I think you know, you, look, Pro Tools are essential. You have got to use them. All the rest of it. And I'm I I just I think it's just a case of especially with vocals. I'm very much a case of look. Yes, we can cut. You know, you can cut and place the chorus. But I want to do mm. at least one or two lines of that yeah. four to six yeah. line chorus differently. In each yeah. in each section, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll I'll quite often you know maybe copy a backing vocal or a double track, but I'll always say like, oh come on, let's do a, at least a, a whole lead line, yeah. So it's not just the same as the chorus before. You know, just some different inflections here and there. Yeah, you know, and I mean, and, and traditionally, if you've got three choruses in a song, the last chorus was always whooped up a bit anyway. Yeah, and I, th- I think, right. sorry, I, th- I think it's also one of those tricks that we do whereby listeners might not necessarily notice it, but what they would yeah. notice is if you cut and pasted the chorus and it was just the exact same chorus, they would yeah. notice that. Yeah, it's a, it's a feeling, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a subtle thing sometimes, but it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I think um, you know, subtlety is... Um, is 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 almost like a lost art in in metal production as well, um, mm. you know. It, it's it it, it it you know you can end up just you know chasing chasing that ultimate crunchy guitar sound, that ultimate this, that ultimate that, you know. And I think it, it you know it's it's about creating a sound that's right for for that album for that band. Yeah, and and the song, it, you know, work on the song rather than yeah. on on your. Kick drum sound for two days. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, obviously, you still have got to do that, but I, I, I think it's, uh, I think the emphasis is in the wrong place quite a bit these days. You know, people start at the left of the desk, start with a kick drum, and kind of that, that's like the first port of call. Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> what about the song? What about the vocals? Surely that's like the focal point, really. Well, the the 
everything everything has to serve the song doesn't it and it and, yeah. and, and ultimately you know sometimes you have to kill your darlings you know sometimes yeah, you have to it, i mean yeah. i mean i know i know in the um when we when we started mixing um our album my favorite line of lyrics doesn't appear on the album because um i i'd done something it just wasn't working we thought we could make it work we couldn't so i had to lose that line and use a line from the previous verse instead, and mm. and it was absolutely it was it was galling, but ultimately it it wasn't working for the song. Yeah, so it's got to yeah. go. Yeah, we had exactly that on the um, at the Gates album. There was a fantastic section which I absolutely loved. It was one of my favourite parts of the demos, but it didn't go into it very well, and they couldn't get back out of it again went into the rest of the song. And they kind of moved it around in the song a bit, tried to different places, different places. They could not get this section to work, even though it was fantastic. Um, and Jonas actually said exactly what you said. He said, sometimes you've got to kill your darlings. Like, wow, sad. But yeah, it's for the good of the song. And and, and there's another mutual friend we have. Yeah, Jonas. Yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. Oh, I love those guys. What a man! And honestly, he, it, we spent the day. I spent the day with him. We were playing a uh, Portugal, a festival in Portugal, um, yeah. and he was he was with he, he was with God Macabre. Oh yeah. And um, and uh, we we were we were stood outside our hotels waiting to be picked up by the uh, the the, um, the promoter, and mm. uh, and one of them goes, "Oh, acid rain, fun thrash." <laughs> And I was like, and I was like, oh yeah, Swedish fucking Swedish depressing doom merchants, are you? And, and they were like, yeah. And so we just spent we just spent the whole day getting pissed, taking the piss out of each other, and it was just that fucking, was great. fucking brilliant. Oh, I love all of those guys. They're brilliant to hang out with. Oh mate, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's um, I, I, one guy I'm really interested, really interested to see. Did you did you work with the Haunted when when Peter was still singing? No, it <sighs> was um, uh, Marco. I I mean, absolutely no offense to Marco, but I've I've been a bit of a Peter fanboy for uh, for many years, ever since he was in Mary Beats Jane. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think they both got you know the valid uh, skills. You know, I, it would be great if they both did it together. Oh, absolutely! I think I don't. I think we've probably seen the last of Pete now. I think he's, um, you know, I think he's finally decided that music's maybe not his thing anymore. Um, Did he? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's he was he was going to be doing something with um, oh god, I can't uh, that dress the dead um, oh. with Craig Lucero. He was going to be doing that and. And they demoed one song, and then he left, and ah, it's just been—I don't know what he's doing these days, actually. But I know he hasn't done anything musical for quite some time, which is which is you know a real shame because he's a talent. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, but you know that's ultimately it's, it's, it's when we when I was saying earlier, you know, it can be really difficult in the studio because you've got loads of creative people. It's a creative project. Everybody wants to have their say, all the rest of it. And then you say, well, yeah, and then there's being on the road. That's very difficult because you're all in each other's. Uh, each other's faces all the time. Then there's rehearsals. Mm. They're difficult. And you think, actually, yeah. When when is it? E- when is it actually easy to not be a band and want <laughs> and not want to punch somebody? <laughs> it's, it's easy on the two weeks off you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. No, no. Even then, it's not. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and, and but you you were right in what you were saying earlier as well. Is like you know you are um um you, you are a psychologist to a certain extent. Um, did you mm. um did, um I, I presume you've seen over the years um you've seen the uh, Metallica documentary. Yeah. So so watching that, it's like you, I mean there must have been things in there where you're thinking, fucking hell, that reminds me of so and so, and that was it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it did go far beyond a lot of things that I've experienced in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Christ, I wouldn't want to deal with Lars. I really wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. You would, you you would need a full time psychologist in there, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I think they've gone to a different planet. Yes. Yeah. yeah they they have, and and so where I mean, are you are you happy with where you sit in the in the sort of production landscape do you know what i mean you 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 know you're very much you seem to be your own boss you can you can pick and choose project projects you've got a, a very strong a stellar reputation um you know what... you know what honestly i'm i'm quite oblivious to it all i just kind of carry on doing what i do and... that's why you never had a holiday for five years we've talked about this russ come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but sometimes i mean sometimes you know, you might have a little bit of a down day or something. Something hasn't gone right, or or you just I don't know, just not feeling it one day. But obviously, I can't just go. Sorry, guys, I'm not feeling it today. You yeah. have to put on the put on the happy face and carry on. But sometimes you need, you know, if you've been working too hard, actually, quite often it will be like the first day off you have, and suddenly everything kind of comes crashing down, and and you you're feeling really bummed out, and you kind of go fucking hell, you know. Am I really getting anywhere with this? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah. I haven't even considered that for however many years previous to this moment. You know, and then you, you turn around and just look backwards over your shoulder and go, actually, yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> you know, I've done some fucking cracking albums and worked with some brilliant people. Um, and 99% of the time, I've really enjoyed it. And I know what you mean. I think it's very, I think anybody who is, who is, um, at the kind of peak of their game, you you so, you have to be completely a hundred percent focused and in the moment on what you're doing. Mm. And and the the downside of that is that is that you know sometimes you don't kind of smell the roses, as it were. You know, you don't kind of take it in. Yeah, I mean, you miss out on a lot of stuff as well. A lot of the glory moments, um, you know, release parties and award ceremonies and stuff like that. I quite often don't get to go to those things because I'm already working on the next guy's album or the next guy's album. Yes. Um, so you don't kind of... And I, and I try, unless somebody says, oh, you ought to read this, I try not to re- read reviews anymore because uh, I found they were affecting me mentally, negatively. Right, right, um, yeah. Especially fucking YouTube comments. Oh, don't read the comments. That's the golden no, rule. I know. I know. Rule. I know. I know. But somebody had said, "Oh, you should have a look at this," and I looked and had read a couple, and then and then carried on reading. Ah. And like, oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I certainly don't read them anymore. And I, I try not to really take much notice of the press, unless somebody says, "Wow, this is a blinding review. You should have a look at this." Well, the th- the thing is, as well, is that is that you know, inverted commas, the press these days, 
Mm. It is not exactly what it used to be. It's not a bunch of well-informed journalists who've spent their entire lives honing their craft. Yeah. yeah you know, so it's like, I, you know, um, I, I found with our album, it's like, you know, when the reviews started coming in, it's like, you know, when we got a first, like, good review, we're like, oh, look, look. And then after a while, you, you start reviewing the reviews. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's sort of like, well, you know, yeah, it's yeah, it's nine out of ten, but do you know what I mean? It's not a very, it's not a very good review. He, you know, doesn't really know what he's talking about, or you know, he's completely yeah. missed the point. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, you can you can get that. And was it just affecting you mentally, or was it, or was it a case where you thought, do you know what? I don't want this. I don't want this bleeding into my kind of. I, d- I don't want other people's opinions in my head when I'm when I'm like focused on producing something for someone else. Yeah, totally. And that, that also stops me listening to other stuff, um, which, you know, quite often I'll miss out on an album that's come out that's cracking because I'm like, oh, look, you know, sorry, I'm right in the middle of someone else's album. Uh, I don't want to listen to anything that's remotely similar to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm that into it. I'm that deep and focused into it. I don't want to be affected by anything else I hear. So if, you know, if, when we finish work for the day at the studio, I'll quite often put some music on. You know, we'll play a little game of, you know, put your favourite track on YouTube or whatever, but no, no metal allowed <laughs> or no, yeah. no, nothing similar. You know, if if we're doing a, a thrash album, then okay, all right, you could put a bit of grindcore on if you want, but stay away from the thrash. Or, or preferably, no metal at all. Let's not have any metal tonight. No, yeah. and and it's it's amazing when you see people's other musical loves come out because obviously we've been working together all day on something that's so fucking brutal and heavy and then you know the guy who's just screamed his lungs out will go oh I love Earth, Wind and Fire check this out you know and he goes, <laughs> fantastic I love that yeah yeah you know and, I, and I, I'll put on electronic music you know I, I love a lot of different electronic music I can listen to that because it doesn't influence what I'm doing on whatever projects I'm working on usually and um, and do you find that when you're when whether you're, when you're working on as a musician on projects, do you find yourself with a foot in both camps? You know, one half you as a musician, half you as a, a, a producer. Is it like an is it kind of like an actor director role? Is that um, or you know, or are you trying to be one hundred percent the musician when you're the musician? And uh, I I don't like it in some ways. Um, I'd rather be one or the other. Uh, obviously, a lot of the time you have to do both. Keep switching hats backwards and forwards, and have a little argument with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you suddenly realise you're doing it out loud, and everyone's giving you funny looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you as you um, try but, and kick yourself up the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on, let's pull it together. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, with the with the Tronor stuff, in the end, I I gave it to someone else to mix because I just said, look, I'm too close to it. I don't want to mix it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, just get somebody else's view on this. And yeah. we gave it to Gomez. You know Gomez? Yeah, yeah. You well, yeah, because I I ended up having a chat to Gomez about about our album as well, and we we nearly yeah. went with him as well. Yeah, he's a great lad. Top man, him. top man. Yeah. So he yeah he helped me finish that, and um, which was a great relief. Yeah. Yeah, and just because then I mean with the reviews on that, 
I would have had to take a double hit if people didn't like the songs or the production. <laughs> oh <laughs> I my would god! Have jumped off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely stay off YouTube. Yeah. Fuck it all. Well, uh, that's doing really well. People are loving it. I, well, I'm, and I'm, I'm really pleased for you, mate. I really am. I really am. And look, that's that is a great place to leave it. But just for now, because I um, mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. I've got some. Yeah. Su- I've got some subscriber questions for you. And believe you me, you are one popular motherfucker. Right? Really? Oh yeah. I've got a load of questions for you from um, from uh, subscribers who. Um, who uh, subscribe to Patreon through the podcast. So um, so stay where you are. But for now, thank you very much, mate. Thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully it was a pleasure to listen to as well. Um, uh, well, Russ there just... And by the way, there's another, like I said, another half an hour on the Patreon podcast. If you, if you want, you know, if you'd wanted to ask a question, you were signed up a Patreon, um, you would have heard about five days before I was interviewing him that I was interviewing him. You get to post your questions and then I ask them directly. Uh, and you get that in your own podcast every month. I'm sorry about this, guys. And I'm sorry to bang on about Patreon, but it's literally the only way I can earn money at the moment. Um, literally. Um... Uh, and in fact, that would be uh, that would be a good segue into uh, into Corona Corner. Hey, it's Coronavirus Corner, Coronavirus Corner, Coronavirus Corner. Come on down. No, actually, don't, because you should be at home self isolating. There we go. That's the jingle for that particular section. I must try and remember that for next month, or alternatively, fucking forget and never do that again. Um, so, moving on from my begging bowl about Patreon. Um, and, and look, I, I'm just going to gloss over this quite quickly. But yeah, I mean, basically, um, all of the all of the quizzes I organise and do, they're you know cancelled. Comedy gigs cancelled. Uh, the band we've announced a tour, but shows are going to need to be rearranged one by one. Um, and basically, so yeah, no money coming in. The only money I've got coming in is through Patreon. I'm not trying to. This is not a begging bowl, and I'm not. I, I, that's just the way it is. Okay. So if a few of you want to sign up. For whilst whilst we're uh, whilst we're locked in, that would really help. Um, and there's like there's I think there's over two hundred posts. There's there's so much stuff to download. Sign up for a month. Download download loads of shit. Okay, sign up for one month. Okay, download loads of shit, and then fuck off again. But you'll have enough shit to listen to for the next three months. I can tell you that. And you've got loads of stuff going back to, you know, the recording of the Age of Entitlement. Um, even the demoing of that album. There's loads and loads of stuff. Um, so there you go. Look, that's my that's my pitch, and I'm sorry for doing it. But anyway, now back to coronavirus corner. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I think we're going to start seeing festivals go. I'm fingers crossed. I really, really, really do not want to see Bloodstock go. Um, I really don't. Because if we miss out on main stage this year, I don't think we're going to be getting it next year. Um, because times move on. There'll be another band with a new album out who deserve the chance. You know, it's not it's not you know, me having to go at them or, or, or moaning in any way. It's just it's a state of affairs. It's a state of fact. Um, so really don't want that to go. Any of the other dates we can rearrange, but really don't want to miss out on, on Bloodstock main stage. Fucking hell, it's like, it's a fucking dream. I'm 49 years old. How long have I been waiting to play on a, a main stage festival arena in the fucking outdoors? This is something I've never done. I've never done a gig outdoors. And it's like I'm constantly being fucking... I'm supposed to do one in 2017, headline the second stage at um, uh, Amplified. Rained off. It just never happens. 
So, um, but anyway, look, it's not all about me. It's not all about acid rain. It's all about you guys as well. We're all stuck in. We're all trying to do our best. Now, if you're like me, I've got, I've got mild symptoms, but I'm still self-isolating. Um, and, you know, I don't feel worried by what's going on, but we've all got somebody to worry about. You know, I've got an 83-year-old mum and um, she's slap. I mean, she doesn't have underlying health conditions, but she is slap bang obviously being 83 in the uh, high risk category. Now, whilst it might speed up my inheritance, <laughs> I don't want to see the back of her just yet. And it, and it is a worry. And the other worry is I'm same as you guys, you know, except no money coming in, but I've, I'm self-employed, but I'm a freelancer. So all the breaks that they're giving for self-employed, oh, no, you don't have, there's no VAT payable. Oh, we're, put, we're freezing, um, uh, uh, we're freezing business rates. None of that helps me. <laughs> Oh, if you've been laid off, you know, yeah, that doesn't help me. I'm a freelancer. So basically, I'm just going to have to sit and burn through savings until all this is over. And as, as some of you are, uh, m- maybe many of you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, that, that's the way it is. we've all just got to hunker down and do this. But this is the moment for our generation, for generations coming behind us, where we learn about hardship. Because once this is over, it is not going to be like flicking a switch and everything's back to normal. There is going to be thousands, millions unemployed. There's going to be loads of businesses that is gone. It's going to take a long time for everything to get in motion again. And I know everybody's saying, oh, as soon as this lifts, everyone's going to be out going to restaurants, going to cinemas, going to gigs. If they've got the money. Because after three months of nobody nobody earning any money, there's not going to be a lot of spare cash around. So I, and I'm not the voice. I'm not trying to be the voice of doom. I'm trying to be the voice of reality. I'm just saying that everything is going to take time to get back to normal. And all of this, all of this is a lesson. You know, I mean, I, you know, my mum was bombed five times when she was a kid. She had to move school. God knows how many times houses blown up in the street, stuff like that. That is hardship. OK, we haven't had any of that. All of a sudden, this is landed. This is hardship. This is our moment where we get a little fucking reminder of what's important in life and not to take things for fucking granted. And hopefully, that's what we're all doing. I know it's certainly made an impact on me. That's for sure. Um, And as for those stupid bastards who just keep going out there and, you know, carrying on like there's nothing wrong, absolute fucking dicks. And these people will fucking pay. They, their, their names will be handed round um, once this is gone. And businesses acting responsibly will also get a severe kicking as well. Um, but then again, it's also nice to see the positive side of this. Everybody working together, people helping each other out, all the supermarkets working together. Um, uh, and, 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 and as for you fucking hoarders, as for you people going out and fucking buying shitloads of bottled water, what's wrong with your fucking tap, by the way, you daft cunt? People, you know, fucking water, bog roll, pasta, you fucking monkeys. Seriously, you should be locked in all the time. But anyway, look, I don't want to keep, I don't want it to be negative. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I'm going to be getting a load more podcasts, a load more content out. That's what I'm trying to do. Sign up Patreon if you, if you can. Obviously, um, that'd be great. If not, don't worry, just spread the word. Please help spread the word about the podcast. That'd be a huge, huge, huge uh, benefit. Thank you. Um, talking bollocks, uh, ending in a Z. It's talking bollocks, all one word, ending in a Z instead of an S. That's the Twitter handle. Um, talking bollocks of Facebook. 
Um, and yeah, join the social, join, join social media, followers, um, react to the episode. Let me know who you'd like to, um, who you'd like an interview with and I'll completely ignore it. Um, but, um, in all seriousness, guys, um, I love doing this. I love having you guys around. And now it's time to finish off with, um, this month's special guest, which is Tom Hanks. Now, um, I'm a big fan of the Commode and Mayo podcast, the movie podcast. And, um, by the way, movie podcasts may well be coming soon. Check that shit out. Um, so, um, they are Tom Hanks on. Now, Tom Hanks plays uh, Mr. Rogers in um, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, which is a movie that I watched before Christmas and was just insane. Because, basically, we don't have... We never had Mr. Rogers on TV growing up in the UK. Whereas, uh, in the States, he was... Um, ubiquitous, he was just there all the time and kids grew up watching Mr Rogers on TV now I I know of Mr Rogers because of American references through most thrash bands being American when they first and that that whole Mr Rogers thing I knew there was something there so when I heard this story, I watched the movie, it's an absolute mindfuck, it really is, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but basically Tom Hanks plays the part of Mr Rogers who was a very unique children's entertainer and not in a Jimmy Savile type of way, take your mind out of the fucking gutter, right? Um, he was just a very, very nice, caring man, and there was nothing more to him than that. The, the movie is odd. Some people absolutely love it. I, I, I found it a bit of a curiosity. I'm going to watch it again. But anyway, here we go. This is Tom Hanks giving you a little bit of an uplift into the next few months of self-isolation. Um, thank you very much, everybody. I'm going to hand you over. Speak to you soon. Here's my mate, Tom. Four words. This too shall pass. You having a rotten day? You having a hopeless day? This too shall pass. You having a great day? You feel on top of the world? This too shall pass. <laughs> it's, it evens out. Life is a big bell curve. No matter how dark, no matter how wonderful, this too shall pass.